This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are doing our Mock Draft 2.0. It's the All-Star Break. Uh, so we're going to take a break from talking news of the mm-hmm. NBA. And we're jumping into uh, the NBA Draft. I think it's all three of our favorite topics here on the podcast. We know you guys love it uh, on Blog Talk Radio, on YouTube, and I- iTunes. So we want to give you our 2.0. We're excited to share it with you. But first, let's do some housekeeping before we we jump in. Check out patreon.com slash podcast if you ever want to be on a podcast at $10 tier. You can be like Jake, Christian, Pat, and uh, Matt. Matt, who was just on? Yes. Yes. We talked about one and done. Oh, yeah. I saw one that. I and didn't, done. Didn't listen to it yet, but I, I mm-hmm. saw that that was in my sub box. Um, and you could be like those great guys uh, checking out the $10 <laughs> tier. We also got a $5 tier where you can ask us questions. Um, and we also have a $2 tier where you get a monthly video uh, Patreon exclusive podcast. And the questions are actually going to post the same day as this. There you go. So look at that. So fun times. Uh, Mark Weber, I think, responded yes. to the question. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely check that out. Also, rate us five stars on iTunes, both the Fast Break Podcast, Primetime Podcast, Rick and Johnny Podcast, and the Onside Kick. I saw we have 14 reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. The Onside Kick has five, so you guys are doing it. So we appreciate all of your help mm-hmm. over there. Um, and then finally, check out mostvalpodcast.com. We got a store up where you can buy MVP merch, and you can check out every single thing that we post. It's all on that lovely homepage from uh, Squarespace that yep. uh, Ricky helped and uh, the patrons helped us get. But let's jump in. Before we do the mock draft, let's jump into our wet boys. We're talking about the dampest dude the soggiest shooters the wettest of the boys from the past week and let's go to ricky first ricky who was your wet boy from this week well before i get mine you forgot one the moist men Ooh, my favorite one the moist men yeah sorry but my wet boy anthony davis the hometown kid from the shy 35 points per game 13 rebounds three steals most impressive part to me yeah it was only two for four on average 50 percent from three 53 <laughs> percent from the field Anthony Davis doing some work this week. Got to rep the hometown. Got to love him. I mean, he's, he's a one-man show over there right now. He's absolutely ridiculous and super fun watching Anthony Davis play. And people said, you know, when he was first coming in, he was going to be one of the best players in the NBA. He's we, damn we've sure been waiting for that. Danny you know, Ainge back up a truckload of picks to get him. <laughs> Anyways, Dave, who's your white boy of the week? Uh, my white boy of the week is Dame. I mean, how can you go wrong with the man who took over the game, just absolutely stomped the Warriors right out the gates. He was on fire. He was calling for the ball, dropping shots, dropped 44, 5, and 2 uh, on average. And most importantly, I think uh, like 35 straight free throws uh, made in the last three games. So perfect percentage there from the line, high usage, and killing it. Well, and the thing I like about Dame, and Rachel Nichols said this today, it was you had the Russell um, Westbrook comments of like, well, oh, Damian Lillard campaigned himself into the All-Star Most game. Most disrespected. And this non- is basically yeah. just him going, yeah, I'm an All-Star. He, he That's what I'm it. doing. I am an All-Star. Dame, Dame can play up. The problem is it's, it's not always most consistent. You know, the Warriors have had their number for a while, and he, he finally turned it around this time around. Well, you guys have Dame. You guys have these sexy nicknames. Dame, you have AD, AD the brow. The brow, baby. I'm going what with you the got? Joker. I'm <laughs> going with the fastest man in NBA history, Nikola Jokic, dropping the fastest triple-double in NBA history, shattering the record back against Milwaukee in the last day before the All-Star Ooh. break, dropping a triple-double 
double in 14 minutes and 33 mm. seconds. The previous record was 17 minutes. That's it was set back in 1955. Yeah. Breaking Wilt, not even Wilt Chamberlain records, but like those are <laughs> cha- numbers that Wilt Chamberlain would have set. I was looking at Wilt, Wilt numbers. It's like uh, most points per game in a season. Wilt has the first top three. It's the, ridiculous. The problem is they didn't record blocks back then, so Wilt likely had trip dubs. <laughs> quad, quad dubs. Qua- probably. He, probably. Ha- he has the only uh, tr- uh, triple double double in, in, in NBA history. Think about but, how many five by fives he would have had. If they imagine how many blocks. wet boys Wilt Chamberlain would have had. <laughs> Anyways, Nikola Jokic, though, in the past couple of games, 19 points per game, nine total rebounds per game, eight assists. 54% from the field, 30% from three. Nikola Jokic is insane. I love watching the Denver Nuggets. You got him, Jamal Murray. You got Will the Thrill Barton. Uh, <laughs> some good some good guys over there. And, uh, it's and a Gary great Harris as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the guy that they just got, not Gary Harris, but uh, Devin Harris that they just got from in that Who trade, didn't gives they? gives a fuck about Devin <laughs> Harris. We're talking about Gary Harris, the guy who's been playing there, not Devin Harris who just got there. Uh, but Nikola Jokic is, is the wettest boy on that team. So uh, Nikola Jokic, shout out to the Joker uh, over there. Any final thoughts, boys? No, not, I, I like my wet boy. I think it's the best wet boy. I think we have some of the best wet boys. I, th- I think this is one of the best weeks for you. I think Dame is a two-timer. I think yeah, AD's I like before. a three-timer. I, I know yeah. I had Dame before as one of my wet yep. boys. Yeah, and I think this is Joker's first, uh, and, first and, appearance and it's, it's deserved recognition for uh, Jokic because, like, he is probably one of the most under-publicized. Mm-hmm. Like, the media does not give him love. But, I mean, it's partly where you play. You it's play not a sexy Denver. city. It doesn't get tons of media coverage. But he is a great player and one of the most effective offensive bigs in the league, bar yeah. none. He's absolutely insane. Well, let's jump into the main attraction, boys. We are talking about our mock draft 2.0. If you're on YouTube, there's going to be three different segments. We're going to do 1 through 10 11 through 20, 21 through 30, just like we did in our 1.0. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, it's going to be all through. You guys are not going to have any interruptions. Um, But let's jump into it. Ricky Widmer, we're going to start off with you, and you're going to give us your 1 through 10 in your mock draft. Well, starting off, the Phoenix Suns going Luka Doncic, the guard overseas. Then the Hawks going DeAndre Ayton, the center from Arizona. Mavericks going then with another center, your boy Mo Bamba, from Texas, Hook'em Horns. We got the Orlando Magic at number four going with my boy Trey Young, point guard from Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner. Number five, the Kings going with Michael Porter Jr., forward from Mizzou. Grizzlies at six going with Marvin Bagley third from the Duke Blue Devils. Seven, the Cavs via the Nets going Miles Bridges forward from Michigan State. My Bulls then taking Mikhail Bridges, the guard forward from Villanova. Then the Knicks going Kevin Knox forward from Kentucky. And rounding out the top 10, the 76ers via the Lakers going with Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., the forward from Michigan State. Can't wait to talk about that Jaron Jackson. Disrespect at 10. Incredible. We'll definitely get to that uh, uh, real quick. Uh, But also just want to mention uh, we are using the standings uh, as of after the uh, All-Star break. So right now, yeah. this is the Friday. we got the Rising mm-hmm. Stars happening tonight. Uh, the Celebrity All-Star game as well with my uh, yeah. with, 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 the, girl. with my girl. I forget her name now. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, Dave, we're going to go into your uh, mock draft. <laughs> Who's your one through ten? All right, my, starting at number one, I have uh, DeAndre Ayton going one. At two, I've got Luka Doncic to the Hawks. At number three, I've got the Mavericks taking Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, number four, the Magic, as I claim, always taking Trey Young regardless. Five, I have the Kings taking Michael Porter Jr. Six, I've got the Grizz going with Marvin Bagley. Seven, the Cavs via Nets are taking McHale. And uh, eight with the Bulls are going Miles Bridges, both the Bridges back-to-back. I think we all have that almost. Uh, Number nine, I've got the Knicks taking Colin Sexton. And number ten, the Sixers, my man, taking Kevin Knox. 
we do have the bridges going back to back, different orders yep. and, and different spots. Mm-hmm. But we do, if there's a bridges, <laughs> there's one that's following. Um, and Rachel Demita, that's her. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw her on Twitter and Jesus. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's go into my top 10. Uh, number one, the Phoenix Suns taking DeAndre Aiden out of Arizona. Number two, the Atlanta Hawks taking Luka Doncic uh, from overseas. Number three, the Dallas Mavericks going with my boy Mo Bamba. I told you guys, wherever the Dallas Mavericks land, that's where Mo Bamba will fall. <laughs> one, they three, five, doesn't ta- matter. They could take Michael Porter, but... I like They're Mo going Bamba. Mobamba. Uh, number four, the Orlando Magic going with Trey Young. Just like rule, uh, Dave's rule of Trey Young going to the Orlando Magic, <laughs> Mobamba's tied to uh, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, number five, the Sacramento Kings are going with Jaron Jackson Jr. from Missis- not Mississippi State. I always want to read MSU as Mississippi <laughs> State. Uh, Michigan State. Uh, number six, the Memphis Grizzlies going with Marvin Bagley the third. Cavs going with Michael Porter Jr., the Bulls going with Wendell Carter Jr. at 8. Number 9, the New York Knicks going with Miles Bridges from Michigan State. And then number 10, the 76ers going with Mikhail Bridges out of Villa Nova. And let's jump into the first pick, guys. DeAndre Ayton is my pick for the Phoenix Suns. Dave is going with DeAndre Ayton for the Phoenix Suns. But, Ricky, you're the lone man mm-hmm. with Luka Doncic being the number 1 overall pick. I think the first international player uh, since Andrea Bargnani mm-hmm. uh, was the number one overall pick. Could be wrong about that. I mean, technically, there's been international players, but they played in yeah. college with Wiggins and Anthony ben Bennett. Simmons. But you're going with the international player from uh, from uh, Real Madrid. Why do you got Doncic going to well, the Suns? I mean, with me, I look at it where when Luca comes over, yeah, like I always see him as point guard, but he's probably not going to be a point guard. But he's going to be the ball handler for this team. And I look at it, Alfred, it was... To me, I looked at it and went, you need a point guard because I'm not sold on Alfred Payton. I mean, yeah, you get him. You can probably keep him because he's only an RFA at the end of the year. Do you go that or do you go with the center? Because Tyson Chandler's getting up there in age. Yeah, you do Mm -hmm. have him for one more year. Mm -hmm. And he's given good numbers, not great numbers, but pretty good numbers, about like double-digit points, about seven rebounds, I think. He's an old man, though. Yeah, Yeah, he's an old man. And the thing I came down to was I'm going to go Luca over Aiton because as the debt goes through the draft, that second pick that the Nets have, I think it's, what, 17? Well, the Suns have, Suns have it at 15. 15. They can better get another big man than a point guard at that point in the draft. So I'm like, you know what? Take the point guard or the guy who's going to ball handle right now and worry about my big man later. My thought, Dave, and, and you could back me up since we both have Aiden here. Uh, I understand your your direction of they need a point guard mm-hmm. or, or at least you know a guy that can be a star at that point guard position. I understand you going after that route, and that's why I had difficulties making a pick there. But I ended up going with Aiton because you look at the two games that Peyton has played so far in Phoenix. He's been playing really well so far. Was the leading scorer against Golden State. Was the only you know really bright spot in that game. And then his first game as well, he's being able to dish around the ball. And, and one thing, too, with uh, Alfred Payton and that Orlando team is – you know, he had Vucevic, he had uh, Fournier, but I feel like that team just wasn't spaced well. That team just really wasn't catered to his needs. And so far, it seems like Peyton has changed over a bit. It seems like he's I'm not weirdly grown because you can't grow in on a plane games, ride. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like he's kind of understanding the NBA a little bit more as he's growing. I think he's 22, 23 now. And I think with Peyton, he's never going to be a star in the NBA, but I think he could definitely be a starter. And I think that's something where... 
if he continues to play at this level, um, at least you know what he's shown in the first two games mm-hmm. uh, with the Suns, I feel like they would definitely take the flyer of re-signing him, and then you would have him as your starting point guard, and then you'd go with DeAndre because you have Bender and Chris; those guys are more fours. Mm-hmm. You have Jackson and my boy TJ Warren at the three. Obviously, Devin Booker at the two, and then Peyton would be your one. I feel like that's a really nice seven, eight players. I think if I'm yeah. right, eight players right there for the Suns to rely on, and Peyton. While he might not be the guy going, you know, seven years down the line, you can get that guy at 15 where you take a project like a Hamadou Diallo mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, one of those guys that are really raw and develop him with the time that you have Peyton under contract. The only thing I think of, and just to throw it in there, Dave, before you give your thing, is I kind of relate it to the Cavs right now where it's like, yeah, you know, you're playing great. It's two games, but we're still in the honeymoon period after these trades. Let's wait, see how the season goes. Then at the end of the year, kind of make our decision of, is Alfred Payton the guy moving forward? I'm going with the pure luck behind this that is a magic trade. Therefore, he will be successful wherever he goes after them. <laughs> and that is why Alfred Payton will be their starting point guard of the future. And I think it, I think it's fit, and I think it's also like the style of their offense and what they're doing out there for the Suns. It's a very different environment than uh, what the Magic were rolling with, like you said, Sean. I think that uh, DeAndre Aiden is just too of a too much of and I don't want to use the word unicorn because he's not it's too much of like a a rare find as far as his body his build and his athleticism and his shot like he has everything going for him with the only question always coming back to effort and defense and like if he consistently has a motor there is nothing that can stop him like there, there are like four guys in the NBA who could stop him offensively that's that's the scary thing and I think that you get somebody like that as young as he is, mm-hmm. and you bring him into this team, he is the perfect linchpin for that five. He can help you stretch out the floor. He gives you great presence on offense, and you can always have him feed the bucket. I, I think that as as much as I love Luka, and I think he's still the best player overall at this point, I think that DeAndre Ayton is potentially the most impactful player coming into this draft purely because of his size, his athleticism, his shot. Like It's just I can't not recognize that talent. Yeah, and the one thing, too, with with going back to Doncic, and I think Aiton's a better fit just because of everything that Dave's mentioned. Not only is he just a rare find, a freak athlete, yeah. it's something where with Doncic, I feel like they would need more of a Colin Sexton. They would need more of a, a, a Trey Young, even though I don't think that would work perfectly with Booker. Um, they need more of a guy who is a pass-first you know, point guard. Well, not a pass-first, because I wouldn't say Colin Sexton and Trey Young are pass-first, but they would need more of a facilitator, guys who are great passers. And while Luka has the ability to you know, have nice passes, mm-hmm. I feel like you would need a guy who's going to be your lead ball handler. Or I'm not really sold on Doncic being your sole and main ball handler, mm-hmm. or Sexton and Young would be those guys. So I, I look at DeAndre Ayton fitting into that system, you know, working him down low with the shooters on the outside, like Devin Booker. Um, Peyton's got a decent stroke from the outside. Josh Jackson's still working on a shot, but still is very young and has the potential to become a decent shooter in the NBA. TJ Warren has a nice shot. So I feel, and also Dragon Bender can stretch the floor when he's, you know, fully grown. I, I feel like ha- having that spacing on the floor and putting Ayton down the middle, I feel like it'd be too much to stop. And I feel like he's too much to, to, to pass on um, for the Suns. But then with the Hawks, being at two, you have eight and going there. So, I well, mean, was it just easy, best player available? Well, this is an easy pick because I got to two and I was like, same reasons I had him go number one in the 1.0 because the Hawks were number one at that time. <laughs> go DeAndre Ayton. It was an easy pick. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing where, you know, it's, 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 it's I think with all of us can agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ayton and Doncic right now in all of our minds is one, two. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that? Like, yeah. no matter the team, place, those two guys are going. I mean, unless two. the Magic, you know, bump their way up there, then Trey Young has to follow. The only guy I could see contending is Amo Bamba. 
If he like lights mm. it up, in see, I'm the, on the other end. I, I think Trey Young has potential to pop mm. off throughout the rest of this year and really draw a ton of attention. It's for him, it's consistency. Mm-hmm. If he can stay on it and successfully shoot every single night, then he's a guy who has the it potential. He's got that that he can jump right mm-hmm. up to one, I think. But it's it's an outside shot still. Like I, I wouldn't say it's it's going to happen. See, but even then, I would disagree with the Mo Bamba thing, and I wouldn't put Trey Young there. I'd put Jaron Jackson there. I think that he has the possibility to <laughs> oh, climb up to, to, to the two. So, I mean, that's the one thing that, like, it, it, the, the hardest part about this draft mm-hmm. for me is your top three is going to have Aiton and Doncic, no matter who you are. Yeah. Yep. But it's really who's your third guy, and then your mm-hmm. third guy, well, maybe you have Michael Porter there because of the injury. So that's the one thing where the one-two, especially with the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks really don't have any set players. You have John Collins and Dennis Schroeder who can be around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but even then, Collins, I don't think he's going to be you know, a, 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 a part of a big three. I think he's going to be a really nice player for he the Atlanta Hawks. He could be like an 18-8 and eight guy, yeah, he I could, think, easily. He could be really good, but, yeah. but I don't think he's ever going to be a star in the NBA. And then with Schroeder, I'm not sure. Or, or Schroeder. I don't really know if they want to stick around with him and, and if he's going to be in this team's future. So they really mm-hmm. are free to take any position. I mean, and yeah. every second you get, you're trying to make a trade for BPA, him. baby. You're BPA. trying to get him out there. Uh, and with Luca too, I mean, not only is it BPA for Dave and I, it's mm-hmm. also just the fact that he is going to be able to, you know, be a leader on your team. He's coming in with a ton of experience already professionally. He's going to be a guy that does a lot of things for you. He can shoot from the outside. He can uh, handle the ball. He can, you know, has great handles as well. I think he's a guy that can really set a culture. Um, I mean, obviously, it might be a little bit different coming from, you know, Europe yeah. into the U.S. and having that load on you. But I feel like he can be a guy that you look at that team and he they're defined by what Luka does. And I feel like that would be similar to when you compared him to Gordon Hayward. Yeah. The Jazz, when he was over there, the Jazz were defined by Gordon Hayward. You know, obviously they had great players in Rudy Gobert, et cetera, but they had Gordon Hayward. He was the guy in Utah. I feel like that would be very similar to Atlanta. Um, and with Aiton, I mean, obviously if, you know, Luka's gone, Aiton's mm-hmm. the, the clear yeah. Yeah. there. The thing I kind of I, I, I kind of laugh when I look at Luka and I go to the baseball term of like a five-tool player. Like, he <laughs> has everything you want covered as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that's in question is always, you know, his burst speed. And that's something that you can work and train for. His body at age 18 is leagues ahead of where you would expect it to be. He is uh, only going to continue to put on muscle and build himself out further. But for the amount of experience, like you said, he's been playing in Europe since he was like 14. He's played internationally in major tournaments against NBA talent. And I think that, like you said, walking into the league, even though he's going to be one of the younger players, he will walk in pretty much that leadership mentality. Yeah, and the one thing, too, that I want to bring up, and, and uh, this is just a little bit of a rant, because people are saying, oh, there's better teams uh, internationally than, you know, compared to who they're playing in the NCAA. But the thing is, is that N- the NCAA is more closer to NBA basketball than international basketball is. Mm-hmm. So while an international team might give more problems to an NBA team than an NCAA team, it's going to be a harder transition going from international basketball into the NBA. That's why you see stars like Rudy Fernandez and Sergio Rodriguez come over, or even uh, who's who's their partner, Milos, Milos, come over. They, they really haven't adapted He's the been same. Hurt, though. No, but I'm saying like, th- they, those guys really haven't adapted the same way coming over, and, and it's rare to see an international star over there. Co- come over and be fantastic. Well, that's, so, that's I the mean, weird like, thing. We've seen young guys come over who have not gotten the playing time he has, like Christos Porzingis, like um, mm-hmm. Frank... Uh, I'm gonna, Frank, Frank from New York. I was going to say, the you're going to kill boys. me. The, yeah, you got two, two Euros in New York who've come over recently who didn't get many minutes, didn't get a ton of playing time, and look how high they went and look what they're doing for the team now. And you look at um, Luca and you go, okay, this is a guy who's a leader on his team at age 18. Yeah. Like... 
I'm sorry. There is if KP warrants a three, four, like he he looking back at that draft, like he should have been obviously like one two, but like seriously, I think there's no reason that you could argue Luca shouldn't be in the top two. Well, and one thing with Luca and and Ricky, I want you to jump in yeah. here just because you have Aiden going there. With Luca, I feel that one thing that separates him from Aiton, and the reason why some people have him won, like Dave has him won, is because of that leadership, but also mm-hmm. because of that you know really high floor that he has because he does a lot of things well. It's going to be really hard for him just to be completely bust out. With Aiton, obviously he's fantastic offensively, lacking defensively, but do you see him as the guy on a team? Do you feel like if they take uh, 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 DeAndre Aiton, he mm-hmm. is going to be the star of the Atlanta well, Hawks going from... I do, and the thing that I think back to is I can't remember what interview I was watching with DeAndre Ayton, but it just when it comes down to Ayton, when I watch him play, it's just like he's bored out there. (laughs) He's bored because it's like he can go into the paint and dominate any big man. Doesn't that concern you if if his motor's now a question, or do you think it's going to change when he gets to the NBA? I I don't want to give that kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for that cliche answer of like just wait and see. No, right coach. Pair him with the right coach that can bring it out of him. And, like, if the Hawks think they have the coaching staff to make him want to and not make him bored, then I think he can be a great player. That's the one, like, negative I see with him. I I know you're very high on Budenhoser. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, mean, Bud is a a great coach, (laughs) and we've seen him, you know, take, you know, four all stars on the team, and and, Mm -hmm. and he's under, he's, you know, been under pop. I, I think that. You know he's gonna be under the right coach. If, you know if he goes yeah. to Atlanta, because right now Phoenix doesn't have a coach. That's the interesting mm-hmm. thing they got, to say. Actually, they got yeah. Jay Triano uh, as their interim, and you don't know if he's really gonna stick around. I would say they'd probably look elsewhere. Um, but then again, if you look at the Suns, you know what if they bring in a Fizdale? I mean, you know mm-hmm. Fizdale's a guy that could be a, a true motivator. Um, mm-hmm. You know, playing basketball, and we've seen that. You know, he's a very fiery guy. So I, I think that one thing with with Aiton is it's a big worry on. You know, if he will be able to play defense just because if he wants to play defense, like you mentioned, it's kind of the cat syndrome. And we see that even with cat, he's playing with Tom Mm -hmm. Thibodeau, like one of the best defensive minds, and he's still not been able to really figure it out. I feel like, you know, it's something where you're going to have to just accept that he Mm -hmm. might not be a great defender. Well, and I mean, the thing that I think of is, and of course, I don't know DeAndre Ayton personally, but I wonder if it's not a like cat where it's like, I don't want to play defense. I wonder if it's just like a, you know what? There's no challenge here. Like I'm not being challenged by. Well, I, I mean, like not just defensively. I'm talking, are you talking all around. Are you talking Aiton in college or yes, Cat in, in the NBA? No, I'm talking Aiton in college. Aiton in college. To so, worry, so just like, do you remember Shaq in college? To yeah. the point where he. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's the only thing I can think of is when you're so much physically ahead of the competition, uh, it isn't super challenging. Shaq dominated games, mm-hmm. and to be fair, like he took Broke backboards. He, he took time off. Like uh-huh. during those games mm-hmm. while he was playing, so that that's the only thing. Like if we're talking about being leagues ahead of people physically, Aiton has the body of like a thirty year old man, like fully built already. It's mm-hmm. it's just confusing to me. Yeah, it's it's freaky seeing him down there because he's just a mountain, yeah. pretty much down there. He looks like you know David Robinson when he was you know back in the nineties. I mean, he looks yeah. like that type of archetype uh, of player. So I mean, again, it's something where I, I feel like it doesn't really matter to the coach because. I think it's more about Aiton himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Aiton, it's more of not only you know wanting to try, but also how much defensive IQ does he have? And I think that he lacks that defensive IQ and, and that uh, you know ability to really you know pick apart an offense and, and realize how the play is going to develop. I mean, obviously he has you know nice block numbers, but when you're you know, 7-1 with a huge just, wingspan. You just toss an being, arm up around the rim and you're probably going to get a block. Yeah, having pythons out there, you're going to be able to stuff guys who are backing you down and turn around, you know, turn yeah. around and try to post up on you. I mean, like, that's just going to naturally happen. Um, in an NBA defense, 
I don't really know if he's going to be able to adjust. But then again, with Buttonholzer, he might put him in the right positions where he's not going to be going one-on-one against a Carl Anthony Towns absolutely destroyed offensively. And maybe or a Joel he helps Embiid. him think like defensively that it's like, wow, I never well, thought of And one thing, way. too, I think I think they did with Dwight in, in, in Orlando. They used to do a like a sort of a zone where it looked mm-hmm. like a man, but Dwight was constantly in the middle just yeah. running the paint back and forth. And I feel like that's what they might do mm-hmm. where – Aiton won't be a defender technically. He will just be more of a rim protector as much as he can be. Mm-hmm. And he obviously has the size and athleticism to do that. It's just really working on his neck to become that rim protector yeah. like Dwight was back my, in, you know, in 2009. My main concern with him is being abused in the pick and roll because we see the 1-5 pick and roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NBA has really turned into a very heavy pick and roll, pick and pop gameplay. And with point guards the way they are today, how athletic they are, how quick they are, that's my one concern. If you can hide him from those, then yes, absolutely, like... I think you can work with him, but if he gets if he starts to get abused in the one five pick and roll, then I start to worry because he's one of those guys who, like we saw, we we see bigs get pulled out of games late because you can't have them on the floor. I mean that that's mm-hmm. that's concerning to me, and mm-hmm. that's I, again I still would take him one, but that's just something to think about that how you have to develop how you have to system around this guy because offensively he is incredibly gifted, but defensively I don't know if he has the foot speed to maintain those pick and rolls. I don't know if he has the uh, IQ defensively. To see where plays are going to unroll. Well, I mean, it's like the joke that Chris Bosch made on first take this week where they're like, he's like, yeah, with all the pick and roll now, everything I was getting criticized for when I played, <laughs> I can do that now. I don't have to play defense now. Yeah. So I, I think it's one thing where Aiton, you got to put him in the right spots defensively, and that's going to be something mm-hmm. that comes out. But then again, I, I don't know if like looking at Aiton, if he's going to be the star. Um, on a team, and that's why you look at Phoenix. Does I would he has say, to be there. yeah, but I, no, no. Be? But I'm saying like with with Luca, mm-hmm. Luca. I feel like, and maybe not Phoenix, but he would be the guy that you yeah. look to as the guy on that team. Mm-hmm. Where in Atlanta, uh, you know, obviously Luca. I'm, I'm sorry. When in, in Phoenix, you know, it's going to be Devin Booker's team mm-hmm. because he's been there. He has yeah. the highlights. He has that name as well attached to him. I feel like that's going to be a guy that really draws that attention away from Aiton. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's really a good or bad thing that the attention is going to be drawn away from Aiton. Uh, per se, but he, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy if he goes to I think to he'd Phoenix. be a great two for them, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Anyways, uh, let's go on to the Dallas Mavericks. We, well, we being uh, Ricky and I have Mo Bamba going to the Dallas Mavericks again. I said this in, in our Dallas Mavericks thing. If it's one, it's Mo Bamba. If it's three, it's Mo Bamba. If it's five, it's Mo Bamba. I understand people love Jaron Jackson Jr. I understand that people love Marvin Bagley. But Mo Bamba, with his athleticism, with his wingspan with his size this is a guy that can be an absolute freak he's shown the ability and a nice touch from the outside he's shown the ability with the ball in his hands to drive to the basket and I understand that he might not be as polished of a defender as Jaron Jackson but that's something that I feel like he can pick up and with his wingspan his athleticism to run back and forth defending the rim being a rim protector I feel like this guy can be maybe DeAndre Jordan with a jump shot maybe even a little bit different a little bit better I think that Looking at Mo Bamba, pairing him with Dennis Smith Jr., Harrison Barnes could be an absolutely deadly top three or big three, if you want to put it like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that Mo Bamba can be a guy that can develop into a, an absolute star in the NBA. And I feel like the the Mavericks, while you know Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley are out there, I feel like Mo Bamba is the most potential. He'd be the BPA pick, and that's why I'm going with the Mavericks, taking Mo Bamba. The thing that I think is going to change this pick the most mm-hmm. is what happens to um, Wesley Matthews. What happens if he declines that player up? And the interesting thing with how the NBA works, and you and I were discussing this before Black Panther, which I hate, is you have he the loves draft. Black Panther. He no, hates no, no, no. I discussion. hate the, oh, what okay. I'm about to talk about. I love <laughs> Black Panther. You'll see that review later. But I hate how the draft is in late June, mm-hmm. 
League season doesn't start till January first for our July first. Free agents can't sign until July first. That just seems backwards. So we're drafting without knowing our free agency. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is like if 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 Wesley Wesley Matthews goes, Oh, I'm gonna decline that player op, which in today's NBA, usually players decline that player op to try to get more money out of um the contracts. Yeah, it's eighteen point six, but I don't know what Matthews is gonna think. If he says no, then do the Mavericks go, okay, there's not a shooting guard that we want to take at three, but do we try to go with a Michael Porter Jr. who could play the wing more so than a Bamba and kind of mix the Porter-Barnes and like we talked about moving Barnes to the power forwards mm-hmm. situation and do that instead of going with a five and Bamba? Yeah, I think that Wes Matthews is probably going to take that player option because I don't think anyone would in their right mind give him more than eighteen million mm-hmm. this upcoming year. Um, it, it's just—it's nothing against him. It's just this year teams are mostly strapped for cash. His performance really hasn't warranted. He has not been um, as good as he was before his injury. Like it's just—I'm being honest—he's not going to mm-hmm. get that money in the open market. So yep. I think it's a pretty safe bet to assume they're going to end up being stuck with him for one more year. And that—that's why I'm leaning. You know, I'm going—we're we're all going bigs here. It's no surprise. Yeah. So why why Jaron Jackson over Bamba? I'm rolling with the hype train. Um, and I, and let me pre-state this with. I understand that uh, Michigan is a better team than Texas, but mm-hmm. every advanced stat across the board screams Jaron Jackson better. Offensive rating, defensive rating, um, BPM, OPM, or OBPM, DBPM, and BPM outright. Every advanced stat okay. out there is Jaron Jackson is better. Re- real quick, with offensive rating and defensive rating, that also speaks on how well the team is. That's so, why I so said that's, that. No, but I know. But but like you can't say, like, you know, I know Michigan State's a better team than Texas, and then here's all the stats, the advanced stats that show why Jaron Jackson's better. Again, like offensive defensive rating, it's going to show with also the team as well. That's not, Those aren't solely individual, that is why individual I said, stats. I know. That's why I priest. Yeah, but you threw them out there, so I'm going to take I'm them gonna, down. I'm not going to not, def- not, gonna not, not state it. And I'm not going to sit here and just let you trash Mo Bamba. So. I'm, I'm just, okay. <laughs> then, it, but if you go to the individual stats, the OB just being a uh, dick. God, you suck. You know what's you know? the OBPM, Dave? All right, so OBPM is offensive box plus minus. Yes. So when you're on the floor, points scored. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he beats him out in everything individually. He has a better shot. He can stretch the floor. And as far as defensively, well, Mobamba has six nine wingspan, which is incredible and just bonkers because he showed me seven three wingspan. No, I thought you said seven nine for oh, Bamba. Oh. Oh, my bad. I think yeah, you said 6'9". You said 6'9". Uh, and I said 7'3". So we're idiots. It's 7'9". Um, and, and you showed me that picture earlier. He he outreaches the box on the on the backboard, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, Jaron Jackson, I, I again, I think everything you want out of a modern-day uh, power forward center mix, he has it, and he will continue to get better. I think Bamba, like you said, his, his top end could be, you know, uh, a DeAndre Jordan. What we see out of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is what we're looking for in today's NBA. I know, and I agree, but also I think one thing with Jaron Jackson, you're working, you're working with Tom Izzo, who has had how many NBA pros? I mean, this yeah. guy has he, he a, a, a laundry list of yeah. NBA pros. He knows how to work with these guys. He's putting them in situations where he has Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, uh, that uh, Lankford as well. Mm-hmm. He's got a ton of NBA talent around right. him where he has the confidence to become that shooter. He has the confidence to help because he knows his teammates are going to be there. Again, I think Tom Izzo is putting Jaron Jackson in better positions, and also he's on a more talented team. Again, I think that Jaron Jackson statistically has been better than Mo Bamba, but I also think that shows a lot on what team 
Jaron Jackson is on compared to Mo Bamba. And, and I think that, you know, all the potential and all the skills are there for Jaron Jackson. I will not disagree with that. But I look at the potential. I look at the wingspan. I don't think there is a ton that separates them on tape. Um, See, I, I disagree on that. I think that watching Bamba, he has been inconsistent on offense and He's a guy, he can't be, he's not going to be the one. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's the best player on this Texas team, mm-hmm. and he can't lead them because he only plays one half of the court, and he only plays consistently. I, I, I don't he know only if plays, he plays one half the no, court. No, no, I'm saying like he only plays consistently on defense. Oh, okay. Like his offensive game is hit or miss, and he doesn't take over games. But I think that's one thing where, again, Dennis Smith Jr. would be taking over games. Harrison Barnes would be taking over games. And I think one thing with Mo Bamba, again, he's very young. I know Jaron Jackson's actually younger than him, but yeah. um, it's one thing where Mo Bamba, I feel like he's still developing his game. And again, Jaron Jackson's working with Tom Izzo. So he's going to have a better development mm-hmm. process in college compared to working with Shaka Smart. I know Shaka Smart's a good head coach, but yeah. mm-hmm. you look at the list. Eric Maynard, uh, Larry Sanders. Uh, I think, uh, who, was, who was the guy last year that came out? <laughs> You're trying to really impress um, me here. <laughs> uh, who was uh, uh, Jared Allen? Jared Allen came under Shaka Smart. I mean, like yeah. he has some pros, but none of these guys are, are jumping off the page. And I don't think he's ever worked with a talent like Mo Bamba before. And again, Bamba, while he has been inconsistent, he has still shown the flashes there. And I think that's why, you know, again, you might see more consistency out of Jaron Jackson. But when you look at their best moments put up against each other, I look at Mo Bamba as, as a player that can be a little more fluid. I understand that J- Jackson has you know better court vision and it is a little bit more, better of a passer. But I have seen Mo Bamba take it from beyond the three-point line and drive in on players, and you can't stop it. And this is a guy that's going to get bigger <laughs> he's and stronger. He's a bit stronger. of a freight train, yeah. Yeah, he's going to get bigger and stronger. Right now, he's a stick. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's more room for Mo Bamba to grow where I don't understand that Jared Jackson's younger than Mo Bamba, but I feel like Jaron Jackson's game has been more developed because he's working with Tom Izzo and working with a Miles Bridges and, and a Nick Warden and a, a Langford as well. So I feel like that's one thing. Winston, I think. No, I think Cassius Winston graduated. But my point is, is that Spartans have better players in their teams. They have a better coach, and they're going to be developed more because they're you know a higher-level team and they have a higher-level coach. Well, and I think the thing that I go to is what you guys were just saying. Think about the Mavericks. Are they closer to a Texas or are they closer to a Michigan State? Meaning, are they going to have the pieces to where, hey, we can take Jaron Jackson and it could be like a Michigan State situation where we don't have to lean on him, he's got the other players to go with, like you were saying, Michigan State, or do we have one where it's like we've got to go out and get a guy that needs to help take over this team from the front court? And that's why I went with Mo Bamba because they're closer to that Texas side of it's like, yeah, they got Harrison Barnes, they got Dennis Smith Jr., but they're not as complete of a team as like where I had Jackson going to the 76ers. Well, one thing with that is I think that Jackson would be able to thrive in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that just separates them is that Mo Bamba has more room to grow than Jaron Jackson. I feel like Jaron so Jackson— potential's greater. I think the potential's greater. That's what you're saying because, because of his body. Basically. Because of his body, and I think that he's going to become a more consistent shooter. And then you can also work with him down low in the post— and he's going to become more consistent with his shot. I, I look at Mo Bamba, and I feel like there's more room to grow, and I feel like he has shown that potential in games before. You look at the TCU game, he's shown that potential, where Jared Jackson, he has been more consistent, and that's why people like him. He might be even a safer pick than, than Mo Bamba, but I feel like the potential is greater with Mo Bamba compared to Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson might be a better basketball player right now as we are currently talking, and with Mo Bamba, I think there's just more room for him to grow with the shot. You look at the TCU game, it was something where he was consistently finding his outside shot. You see him being able to post up 
down low. You see him driving in from beyond the three-point line and attacking. I think that with Mo Bamba, you can develop that shot more, and he's going to become more consistent on offense. And also with something on Texas, he has less people to take the pressure off him. So he's going to be asked to do more. He's going to be put in to, to, to moments where he's going to get the ball late in the shot clock. Um, I, I think that you know with Jaron Jackson right now, I'm not saying that you know he's doing well because he's just on that Michigan State team. Mm-hmm. I think Jaron Jackson's a phenomenal player. It's the reason why he's in my top five. Yeah, but Mo Bamba. To me, I feel like he has a higher ceiling, and mm-hmm. I think that's why teams are going to go with him. If if Jaron Jackson goes above him, I wouldn't be shocked. So that's that's my one thing. For me, I just see the shooting right now and going, okay. That, it's more consistently there for Jackson. It's consistent, and it's cleaner shot. And I, I admit the opportunities are better mm-hmm. for him. Like, like you said, it's a better chance to succeed because he is not the relied upon only guy on this team with a chance to make the NBA. There's, there's a difference there. The like, one thing that I, I saw when watching Jaron Jackson consistently, mm-hmm. and I'll use the Minnesota game as a as a as a example, he went like four for four. He started off the game off four for four from three. Yep. Um, and all of his threes were wide open. He didn't have to think about it. He was walking yeah. up unguarded, just knocking down threes. I think there was one where he had a guy cl- closing in on him, coming forward, but he had a, at least time to catch, mm-hmm. shoot, and then he. You know, already had his eyes on the basket, and then the guy was starting to close out. So he had a guy in his face when he ended up shooting, but right. he had the time to compose himself and, and go up for the shot. Where, you know, Mobamba, while he isn't comfortable out there yet, he isn't mm-hmm. hitting a high percentage. You see that when he steps into a shot coming down off a fast break, he's able to nail it. He's able to uh, hit it coming off a of pick and roll and, you know, popping out to the outside. And he's got that trebuchet where it's a little <laughs> awkward, but yeah. it still isn't that bad of a looking shot. Like, it, it's, it's something not, where. It's not, pri- it's not broken. We'll, we'll no, it's, it's yeah. not broken. And it's not like a Lonzo shot where people <laughs> are going to be able to block it. I mean, the guy's, what, again, seven, nine wingspan. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's not. A clean shot. It's not like, oh my God, it's Reggie Miller, you know, base, you know, <laughs> fundamentals of a, of a basketball shot. But again, it's it's working for Mobamba. Yeah. I think it's something that you know, you really don't need to change as long as he finds that comfortability of being out there. Again, I don't think it's going to be the main game, the, the main aspect of his game, but it's uh, you know another wrinkle to his game. And just the one last thing that I'd say about the two, if we're comparing them, mm-hmm. the thing I like about Bamba that I don't like about Jackson comparing the two is. Turnovers, yeah, Jackson has more turnovers, but it's like 10 to 12. So it's like, okay, you're in the ballpark. The thing that's a red flag for me between the two, 65 total fouls this year for Bamba, 89 for Jackson. Right. you got to bring that foul number down. The difference is the physical level of defense that mm-hmm. Michigan State runs. It's If you look at Michigan mm-hmm. State across yeah. the board, their entire team is actually a higher percentage yeah. than the average in the NCAA right now. And I get that because of their system, but mm-hmm. I agree. Like It's well, not something that you know you look forward to seeing all those fouls. Jaron Jackson was also more aggressive. Yeah. Mo Bamba mm-hmm. isn't— he, he knows his wingspan. Yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> it is, Mo Bamba isn't, isn't really attacking people out there. That's that's one thing. And he's attacked people offensively um, at, at times, but I would say Jaron Jackson's more aggressive, and he's yeah. he has a higher motor. So I would give that to Jackson. I mean, like I think you guys on the, the Primetime Podcast could easily have a, a Jaron Jackson versus Mo, uh, mm-hmm. Mo Bamba uh, topic. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Be uh, great. Brandon. So, I mean, like that's something where, you know, these two guys – you have the potential in Mo Bamba, and then you also have you know more of a finished product, and even though he's younger in Jared Jackson. And yeah, that that's how I see. It. I think I I, dis, I disagree on the potential levels, but I just think the cleaner shot, the the make me come a potential up to the by room range. to grow. I mean, like yeah, uh, where, where, which means how, you're worse. That's all it means. <laughs> but but also, it's something where Jaron Jackson's already built. Like like I mean, Mo Bamba, you, there's no really 
knowing of how big this guy can get. I mean, we look <laughs> we look back at Joe's days back at Kansas and oh how much God. bigger he is now. I yeah, mean, like you can see a glow up for the, like that glow up. But, you know, you can see something like that with with Mo Bamba. So yeah. I mean, like we don't know the potential of Mo Bamba's body. He can continue yeah. to be a stick. Um, and Jaron Jackson again is a safer pick in my mind, but I would rather go with Mo Bamba because he has that ability to become, uh, I, I think, a great defender in in the NBA. And I think offensively he can be a guy that does everything for you on the floor, and maybe not passing, but he does mostly everything at least decently on the floor. So I, again, if it's it's, I think it's up to personal preference. But for me, I, I and Ricky, I'd go for Mo Bamba going to Dallas. But anyways, let's move on now to the Magic. Got some guy named Trey Young. I don't know if you guys heard about him. Uh, pretty damn good player. If you guys want to mm-hmm. hear more about Trey Young, check out Brandon and Ricky's uh, subject of our topic of uh, Trey Young versus Colin Sexton. They compare the two point guards um, in this NBA, the top two point guards in this NBA draft. But with Trey Young going to Orlando, they need a superstar. This kid can be it. Well, right? and the thing I love most about him, and I'll, this is kind of reiterating what I said in that, but it's true, is I love the fact that I don't love that people are like, oh, he's going to be the next Steph Curry. But I look at his game and I'm like, all right, I see some things that Steph does that you do well too. Like shoot the three ball, that's going to obviously be good in this modern NBA. But also I just like his vision. There was one play, I can't remember what game it was, but he drives around baseline, draws three players with him, and then over the back like this finds his power forward sitting there at the block to go up for the jam. Didn't yeah. even look at him, just behind the back, through three players to a wide open player. Yeah, no, I, I respect the creativity, and I think that is it's the same as Steph Curry. It's Steph Curry is a great passer, mm-hmm. but he likes to go for some risky passes sometimes, yeah. some stylist passes. Um, and yeah, the distance from Trey Young is just ridiculous. He steps over half court, and you have to actually respect him, and it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, he, he is a volume shooter, though, and I yeah. know that was some of our comments. We're like, yeah, but his three point percentage is because he's a volume it's gonna shooter fluctuate okay. too. Yeah, real real quick, this is something I want to bring up. Okay. You look at his usage rate, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely stupid. The guys that get used as much as Trey Young mm-hmm. play on, like, Iona. <laughs> like, the, the, the most recognizable names mm-hmm. in the top 30 of all time since the usage has been statted since 2009 2010 mm-hmm. on College Basketball Reference. Doug McDermott and Jimmer Fredette. Ooh. Yep. He's, I, think, I think he's fourth all time mm-hmm. in usage rating in a single season, and the other guys, you have no idea who they are. Like, I think the one kid was, like, uh, from Central Michigan who was, like, the leading scorer, like, three years ago or something. Like, he is being used at an absurd amount. So, yes, he is miss. you know, he's not hitting, you know, 40% of his threes and 90% of his free throws. But the kid is also doing so much, and he's also damn tired on the floor because yeah. he does so much. Well, so, yeah, he might miss two free throws a game, but that's because he's tired and going, going to the line at the end of the game. Well, and that's also the thing of, I think of, it's, this isn't going exactly that, but it kind of plays into it, is... Because of the Oklahoma team he's on, I see most teams go in, and nowadays it's going to be like, hey, you know what? Let's shut him down. Let's limit him. Let the rest of them beat us. Well, that's, Let that's the, the rest of these guys he beat us. He still tries to distribute the ball. Uh-huh. He's not mm-hmm. one of those tunnel vision. Yes, he can get that way. If he mm-hmm. feels hot, he's going to force heat checks on himself. Yeah. But the thing is, is he's always looking to get these mm-hmm. guys involved. And like you said, this Oklahoma team isn't exactly stacked. So yeah. their plan to win games is through Trey Young. And what better way to kickstart the Magic than to get all 11 starters going with Trey Young? Boom. Boom. He Can't gets them all in the game. I don't know. I, I think that Trey Young though, has that superstar ability. And I think that uh, the Orlando Magic desperately need that. And mm-hmm. him and Aaron Gordon could be an absolutely fun Well, unless pick and roll they trade duo. him. Remember, they were feeling offers. They're feeling offers, but they're not going <laughs> to trade him now because the trade deadline's passed. Yep. Gonna, it could be a draft game trade. 
Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Just ruin uh, your day. No, but I, I think Trey Young and, and Aaron Gordon could definitely be an, an interesting uh, combo. But again, looking at Trey Young, he would be fourth all time since 20, 2009, 2010, since they started doing that whole, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Calibrating usage. Uh, Jordan Washington is number one with 39.39% from 2016-2017, played from Iona. Chris Clemens uh, from 2016-2017, played for Campbell. Jalen Riley played for East Tennessee State. Uh, Antalee Bowes played for Nichols State. Jimmer is there at fifth there uh, for Brigh- Brigham Young. Gerardo Suero from Al- Albany, New York. I was going to say Albanea because uh, of Suero. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joel Wright from Texas State. Marcus Keene from Central Michigan. Siobhan Lewis from Marist. Trey Anderson from Eastern Illinois. James Daniel from Howard. These I guys, think you proved like, the point. The, the thing is, like these major programs. Usually not Power use, 5 teams Do not use guys this actual much. Actual teams. Yes, so, they do not use mm-hmm. these guys as much as Trey Young. So, I mean, like, it, it, it's one thing where I don't think you have to look at his percentages or, or his free throw percentages. You have to say, this kid is doing something unheard of. Coming mm-hmm. in as a freshman, putting up the points that he is, doing what he is offensively, both you know distributing the ball and scoring. This guy is doing so much for his team. He's not going to be a defensive player, and I think that his usage is clearly going to go down in the NBA. But I think that he has shown that he can handle so much of a workload and be a star that you have to take the shot on him if you're in the top five. Can I ask the question then? Is is he one of the highest bust rate picks in the lottery? No. No? You're not I afraid think, of him pulling a Jimmer? No, because I think Jimmer was something where Jimmer was strictly a scorer. And yeah, Jimmer, Jimmer was didn't strictly have the assist. Going, like, he didn't have well, the assist vision and, that but Trae Young I don't has. think it's something. Right. But Jimmer, Jimmer no, was, was a saying, guy that— as far that, as volume scoring, and mm-hmm. then that was his big asset. But like, Well, Jimmer also you, didn't fit into a position. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jim, you couldn't really— Professional chucker's not a yeah, job. Jimmer didn't have the speed to really get off screens. Jimmer didn't really have the ability to fit into an NBA offense where Trey Young— I mean, is undersized. He's, he's undersized. He's, he's undersized, but it's something where, again, if you have even, I mean, even if he's not your point guard, mm-hmm. he can still be a spot up shooter for you. I mean, he still has the ability to stay in there as a shooter. I mean, hell, he might be like a, a very small JJ Redick. Like, I, I think that like he's going to be a guy that can at, at worst come off screens and still be one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. Okay, like, so like, yeah, I think your, that, your floor for him is still pretty high. I think that I think that he can still be a starter in the NBA. I think his floor is a starter in the NBA. I think that his right. high could be. An all-star. I'm just want, I'm looking at this top ten. I'm seeing so many guys who have the tools and the bus potential is is much lower. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, he's the only one I see who has a very high potential in my mind that like it won't work out for him. But, I'm not saying it's you know like he's not going mm-hmm. to. I think he's going to be a stud. But like I have to ask the question out, out of this lottery, you know? I think that out of this lottery, the biggest mm-hmm. bust potential is probably a guy like like Kevin Knox or something like that. I mean, mm. you I, for some you have Mo Bamba at eleven, Dave. Yeah, yeah that's I, crazy. I was going to. I didn't when, even realize that. When you that. said at the beginning of the podcast, when you're like, this "We're going to talk about to... my Jaron Jackson," my how about bad. his Mo Bamba? No, at I didn't 11. see that. Yeah, uh, but like a Kevin Knox right Spoiler there at, at, at ten. Like I feel like he could be a bust. Uh, you know, possibly Miles Bridges if he's mm-hmm. not able to find a shot. But, I mean, the expectation like, versus pick. That's I think the that's the thing. problem. I think the expectation for Trey Young yeah. will be the problem, not his actual potential. Okay. I cool. think that his ceiling is an NBA All Star. I, I mean, think I think his low though is a, a starter. Yeah, the I think the Steph Curry, you know, comparisons. Uh, uh, that's my only concern is his mind, but, his ego. But to put going that into the NBA. to bring that up. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, he does, let's say his potential is he is just as good as Steph Curry, just throwing it out there, if you are a team, how much would you kick yourself if you're like, well, we no, passed on him because and we that, thought he would bust? And that is, no, no, but and that's, that's the question. Six teams did that to Steph Curry. 
And then like Timberwolves he was twice. overall. Yeah. yeah. Timberwolves twice, just tossing out there Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Um, like even Draymond Green, how many teams he had to go through? Well, 34? To, yep. Well, that's the thing is, uh, you know, this is why I think he's one of the guys who could be still in the conversation for that mm-hmm. number one pick because of no. that comparison, because of that potential. I thought about that at one, too. I, I was I was thinking about putting Trey Young at one. Because I mean, I, I, still think what, Colin Sexton, yeah. I still think Colin Sexton's a better point guard. He's a more complete one I think that he, I think that mm-hmm. he would be, uh, if I had to pick Trey Young or Colin Sexton, I would take Colin Sexton, but the thing is, is that again we have to you know think about what NBA teams are thinking. We have to think mm-hmm. about what NBA execs are thinking. What and the potential whole, just reeks. Yeah, what, what the whole <laughs> at least shine on these kids are. And yeah. Trey Young has been getting the most media potential. He has been getting the most shine. And you also got to think of a team like hell, the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns haven't been really raking in the uh, <laughs> attendance money. So if they bring in a guy like Trey Young and he hits, you got it, the next superstar in the NBA. Mm-hmm, so yeah. not only are they thinking on the court, they're also thinking about what this guy can be, not only on the court, but also like like future outside of basketball. And the thing that hit me, you brought in Colin Sexton, the thing that hit me between those two is, I've said this before, I watch both of them and I think it's eerily similar to the same conversations we had last year between Lonzo who was a shooter assist guy, and De'Aaron Oof. Fox, who was a pure shooter, driver. I would shoot, shoot, use shooter loosely. No, but I'm saying in college. No, in college. Yeah. His numbers weren't In college, awful. his numbers were not bad from yeah, beyond the arc like, But if you watched him play, you knew it wasn't no, yeah. Trey Young's putting up 29 no, points no, no, per no. game. That's not, like double what I'm Lonzo did I'm not saying it's, in a, it's exact, but it's the same kind of like, hey, we've got a shooter assist guy. And a guy Lonzo, who's more of a Lonzo driver was, and doesn't assist. Lonzo was more of a driver and, and a facilitator. Markel Fultz was more of a shooter. Markel Fultz was more of a scorer and a shooter. Yeah. Like, Lonzo shot mm-hmm. and shot from deep from three because everyone else was focusing on, you know, who he just yeah. passed to and, like, TJ Leaf, and they kicked it out to him. I, I don't exactly—I think that I understand that, you know, maybe the better player in Colin Sexton mm-hmm. is not getting as much a shine as, you know, the, the more media-focused guy. I, I think you can well, make that you. where— but like I'm saying, like Lonzo Ball and mm-hmm. Trey Young were the focus of attention, the center yeah. of attention yeah. last year in college basketball. Whereas De'Aaron where, Fox and Colin Sexton aren't, or even Markel Fultz, too, because yeah. Fultz was a point guard as well. So I mean, like those guys weren't getting the same attention mm-hmm. as their counterparts. I, I think you can make that, but I don't know about the shooter driver thing. Uh, but let's move on now to the Kings. I have him going, Jaron Jackson. I think it's a nice fit um, at, at that four or five spot. I think he could work as a four, and then pairing him with Willie Collie Stein could be nice. But you guys have Michael Porter. Did Jr. you only do that because of the Zebo question? Like I look, they've got scale. Zebo's got thirty eight. Like I know he's not. I, don't I care about Zebo. I'm not looking at Zebo right I'm, now. Like, but I look at all the bigs that they have, and I go, they don't have. To me, I mean, I like Justin Jackson, the kid Ugh. that came out of um, UNC. But I look at their small forwards and go. If Michael Porter is there, how do you not no, take they, him? They need a small forward. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. Well, but, Bogdan's playing it right now. And, yeah, and, and he's and been he's doing, doing a nice well. job. Yeah, he's doing a nice job of, of, of firing out threes. But I think, you know, at least defensively, they'll need he's, more he's of a— He's a two-way a, player. Yeah, but like— Respect him. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think the, with the thing is, is that there is the ability to draft a guy in Jaron Jackson with less questions, question marks— uh, who is more of a finished player right now because we haven't seen Michael Porter play. Mm-hmm. We know that what he's been doing from high school on. He could. Also, he could come back this season. But we could. haven't we're, yet. We're going we're gonna to yeah. get that. We're going to get to that. I'm, I'm talking more about Jaron Jackson and letting yeah. you guys talk about Michael Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with Jaron Jackson, I feel like he would just fit in there. He's more of a solid player compared to a scale, compared to, uh, I forget who else is even there. I was going to say Papa Giannis, but they cut him. I was saying, that's uh, why they need depth. You yeah. need to bring him in because you cut Papa John. I think that you you look at Jaron Jackson, pairing him with Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Heald, mm-hmm. uh, De'Aaron Fox. 
spot. Jaron Jackson could stretch the floor. We've yeah. seen this. He can be you know, a great defense defender as well. Absolutely. I, I think pairing him and Jaron uh, Fox and pick and rolls would be disgusting. Also, those two defensively would be disgusting. I feel like I would rather go Jaron Jackson over Michael Porter, especially with the injury question. But now, with Michael Porter saying that he might be coming back soon, uh, coach of Missouri, I forget his name, uh, came out and said that he's not going to play in the next two games, but they're going to look and see if he's going to get cleared for practice and contact. So mm-hmm. Michael Porter, Ooh. their turn might be coming. What do you need to see out of Michael Porter to stay in that fifth spot? I mean, could he possibly drop for you guys? Just don't get hurt. Yeah, that's I mean, he, just he don't could easily drop. That, that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing is he could easily drop, but you have to remember coming into this you know, year, mm-hmm. he, was, he was one. Yeah, And we were all expecting him to stay one. He is one of the best prospects coming out in the last couple of years. And I, I just go, if he's still there at five, you take the risk. Mm-hmm. The NBA draft is all about potential. There's no guarantees and there is no um, chance that you will ever, that you will 100% hit on your guys. And I know that we're talking about Jaron Jackson being like, Special he, he with is, the Kings. Special Jesus Christ. Don't jinx the man already. <laughs> he's not in the NBA yet. But. No, I'm saying like they don't know how to, they, they picked Papa John's for yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I, I think Jaron Jackson, <laughs> well, he would be a good fit. He just wasn't there on my board. And I, I didn't want to go with Bamba there like you, like, you know, if I did a straight swap mm-hmm. because I don't think he fits because I do like what they have I, in Willie Collins. Yeah, I wouldn't put Bamba there because they're, I, I, didn't so, think he would fit as a five. But, exactly. But Jaron Jackson could play that four or a five. Exactly. So And so even if they end up going away from Kali Stein, they can move him to the five if they need him to. So yeah. I, I think Jackson over Porter, the thing with Porter is, again, he's one of my favorite players in this draft. I would still put him, if I was making a big board, you know, three or two, I would probably, you know, put Aiton or Doncic there, but he would be in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the question mark is, though, how is he going to return from this injury? How much is this injury going to affect him down the line? And mm-hmm. one thing, too, is, is he even going to come out? I think there's too many question marks around Porter where Jaron Jackson, I've been seeing one getting on the floor i love what i'm seeing yeah no i mean it's it's the known versus the unknown and the problem is the unknown has more potential and i'll, I'll mm-hmm. be honest like i respect the hell out of jaron jackson jr and i think he, he he's one of the better prospects but it's not even close what michael porter jr couldn't do and how he can change a franchise if what we saw him do in high school continues to grow into the nba i mean that that is a one that is your number one guy coming out and it, it's just i i can't pass that up and I'm not saying this could happen, but like, what if it does happen where you know Porter comes out and plays in you know the NCAA and just looks like a you know another An Miles Bridges guy? or something like that, maybe a bigger Miles Bridges. Like yeah. we don't know what we're getting from from Porter. He's looked great in high school. He's looked great in uh, you know uh, uh, United States play as well. I mean, like mm-hmm. he's been fantastic before, but what is he going to be now? We haven't seen that. I think he's got to do a lot if he does come back from a zoo and prove it, or when it when it comes What's for the uh, combine. What do you mean by a lot? Does he have to get like a certain amount no, of points? I'm just per saying game he's got to come. Or? He's got to come out, and I think he's got to make this Missouri team better. I think he's mm-hmm. got to come out. I think he's got to look like he belongs in this conversation. He can't come out there and you know be a guy that's struggling from the floor. He can't be a guy that's not going to be the guy on that Mizzou team. You know, the only guys that we're talking about right here that aren't the guys on their teams is Jaron Jackson Jr. and that's because he's got a sophomore ahead mm-hmm. of him, Miles Bridges, and that team's so loaded in Michigan, Michigan State that you know he doesn't need to be the guy. Uh, same with Wendell Carter as well, because he's got another guy in Marvin Bagley there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. The only players that don't have a counter, like that, that aren't the number one guys is because their counterpart is above them in the draft or yeah, and you know, I mean, is in the draft as well in the top mm-hmm. ten. And that's, so that's the, the one thing, thing I look at is if he comes back, he's got to be the number one guy. Like mm-hmm. There is no question that if it's like, oh, Michael Porter Jr. is the number two guy at Mizzou, we're looking at that going, what? 
I mean, he, because of like what you said, he was the number one on the big board coming I, into the season. I think he has a, had a strong tournament play for for mm-hmm. Mizzou. I think that's got to be the thing, which is him. great for the Kings. They love their great tournament play. <laughs> no SEC tournament, SEC tournament. Because you know, I, I haven't been following you know NCAA basketball mm-hmm. as much. I've been watching games, but I've been watching the rankings or Jill and Ari's bracketology or whatever. I don't know if Mizzou's <laughs> making the the tourney or not. Um, but if you know. Fucking Michael Porter goes out and helps him win the SEC tournament. God damn, yeah, he's gonna be, you know, probably rising on my board. It's just mm-hmm. gonna be something of what is he going to bring if he comes back to the game of basketball. But anyways, we are the top five. Let's run quickly through the uh, top six to ten. Uh, Grizzlies. I have him taking Marvin Bagley. So does Ricky and Dave. Marvin Bagley. He looks good. What are the concerns? My biggest thing is for me. I at the beginning it was oh Aiton versus Bagley. Now Mobamba's passed him. For me, on the Why next mock draft, for me, I just I like what I've seen from Mo Bamba and the like. We've the P word that we've mentioned. The potential's greater. Now you got Bagley with the knee injury, and then there's part of me thinking, is Marvin Bagley the best player on this team? Mm-hmm. Is Wendell Carter better than him? Would I rather take him? And I think that maybe in the next mock draft, depending how things go, maybe Jaron Jackson jumps. Marvin Bagley. Dave, what's the problem with Mar- Marvin Bagley in your mind? Uh, it's a question of the fit in the NBA. I mean, kid can be a dub-dub machine all day, every day. It's the question of will he be the guy in the modern NBA, be able to stretch the floor out, have defenses respect his distance. And honestly, that's about it. It's just fit. I, I think, honestly, um, Ja scared the crap out of people. Mm-hmm. When you watch a big with great offensive handles, but the speed isn't there, the difference is that in Bagley, we have someone who has a motor that does not stop ever. He is up and down the court. Like I could see him being, you know, a, a 15-10 guy, but I don't see him taking that step and being a 25 and 12. He's not like Kevin Love on the Timberwolves good. And that's that's the thing is when you're drafting this high, you have to think you're getting someone who is going to be the the guy on your team. And, mm-hmm. and I get you're six now, but still, there are guys there who I believe could still be that guy. And he's someone who I see more as a you know a B or a C player on your team. He's not your number one. But one thing with Bagley, that's the reason why I think he fits well with the Grizzlies. You look at him, Mike Conley, uh, Marcus All as well, uh, and pairing him with those two, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great pairing. Uh, Absolutely of those agree. Three. So I think that's something where. Bagley, I feel like he's got to have the right fit, not only for him, but also the team. I think Bagley being on the Grizzlies yeah. could be a nice Match one. made in heaven. Let's go to the seven Cavs. I have him taking Michael Porter Jr. Could you imagine if LeBron stays and you have Michael oh. Porter Jr. on that team? You have the possibility of LeBron trading, mm-hmm. you know, training the next LeBron. I mean, like, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if Michael <laughs> Porter's going to stay there, but that's the way it falls. I mean, I'm not sure yep. with how many question marks there are around Michael, uh, Michael Porter that we already talked about. I'm not sure if he's going to be uh, a guy that you know is in, taken in the top six. So Michael Porter falls to the Cavs, which is absolutely disgusting. And I don't think the, I think the Cavs should really be outlawed from mm-hmm. having this pick because it's honestly <laughs> well, ridiculous that they might be able to add a guy like Michael Porter, or any of the guys we talked about above, on their team. You do realize this is this is a Cavs in the lottery. So yeah. what's going to happen? They're going to walk gonna out with number, number one. one. Pick. Well, and the one thing too is <laughs> the bring Nets MG, are worse. They're the bring, Nets are getting worse exactly because the they're, like, they're losing. How many? I mean, they're they're down to like the, they're down to their bench roster. They starting. are losing a ton of games. Mm-hmm. The Cavs might have the number one pick again. Yeah. Be scary. I don't yeah, even I mean, know who they're take. They're just going to bring in Machine Gun Kelly to sit there in his Cavs no, jersey, and then they're going to win the pick. Didn't they ban his son? Who cares? Let's talk about the picks. No one cares. Let's talk about the picks. Miles Bridges. Why does he fit on the Cavs? Thing and I was well, talking who cares to Dave. About my, she got Kelly. What? He I, was there and they won the the draft lottery. Whoever great. they bring. But I was talking to Dave <laughs> about this before Black Panther, and Dave hit the nail on the head when we were talking about it, is because of where the draft is compared to free agency. I feel like the Cavs at this spot because I was thinking either small forward, point guard, and I was like, 
all right, Colin Sexton, move um, George Hill over the two. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, you know what? If there's an inch of just a little bit of an inkling that we're going to lose LeBron, go with a small forward. And the best one for me was Miles Bridges. All right. Yeah, I respect that physically he's great. Uh, but I like the uh, LeBron going for three and D players. Let's get somebody out there who can force people to play on the outside. He's a great tweener, and he is someone who – that those skills will go straight to the NBA level. I don't see any question there. The the thing for me is this pick, like you said, could go a couple of ways. This is one of the landing spots I had from Obamba. I'm like, if you know LeBron's back, get yourself a guy at the mm-hmm. five who has a good motor and who defensively is going to scare the crap out of people coming at you down the lane. Mm-hmm. So that that's it, it's it was close, but I did want to go with we're going for wings and that's all we're doing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cavs do. I mean, if, if LeBron stays, I, I think there's still even that possibility. If Michael Porter's on the board, I don't think they pass him up. Yeah. I mean, like, Mo Bamba's already gone. Jared Jackson's already yeah. gone. There's not a five out there that you can really go with, in my mm-hmm. mind. Maybe Wendell Carter, if you really feel like it. But if Michael Porter's there, take Michael Porter. Yeah. I mean, like, it's enough with the questions. Go yep. with the potential. No I mean, like, I feel like if the Cavs have the— It's a great it, way to restart your franchise for the third time in the last eight years. Not even. <laughs> what if LeBron stays for, like, you know, five more years or whatever, Ooh. and then Porter— Does he have five years? You think? Oh yeah. No, I'm saying like if they sign him to a max. If, okay. No, if they I'm sign saying he's five years play for playing. five more yeah. years. LeBron? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not questioning that. I mean, the man's reverse aging. What? He's only thirty three. 32? How old is 30. he? I, I, yeah. I quit. I, I don't know I'll, his age because, because it always seems yeah. like it's younger. He's gotten in better shape he's as he's aged. 29 years old, right? Yeah. He's, he's going to okay, turn yeah. 34 Yeah, he's December. got five more years. He could play till he's 38. Easy. Kobe played till he's 38. Jordan played without till he's like 49. A, say, Kobe played without an Achilles for a couple of years. Jordan's still playing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's one thing. I mean, LeBron never had a major injury. Yeah. So, you know Until that happens, who knows? Knock on wood. Uh, anyways, let's move on to Devils. You're team guys uh i have them going with another carter uh just real quick i know that the three is a need for them um out there but they also have a pick at 16 i feel like you look at the bulls you go wendell carter jr because this is a guy that you can pair down low defensively with markinen and i feel like he's gonna be a nice pair with him and i know again i know what you're gonna bring up ricky Mm -hmm. but i feel like there is more depth for wing players in this draft compared to a guy in wendell carter who possibly might be the best player on duke and possibly has that potential to really change a franchise you look at sean's top 10 (laughs) it shows you how much he hates the bulls not only does he have us passing on one bridges you have us passing on two bridges. I, I'll take either or, Sean. Because the potential's better with I'll Carter. I'll take either or. We don't need a big. I I'll take Mikhail. See, I say we literally just D. traded a shooting <gasps> big, and I get it because Wendell <sighs> Carter actually plays defense. But yeah. like, you can't pass on <sighs> bridges. I'll take the three. For okay, me, I'll which take one the fits, three and D Which guy. one fits? So you're oh, taking would, three and D guy. I would take Miles Bridges if he was there. However, he goes to the Cavs in my situation. Okay. Take Mikhail. So, I, I like Miles Bridges as a better fit for the Bulls. Why is um, that? I, I think his physicality, his defense, and his body, his build is really good. And I think that good would boy. fit their team better. I like the three-point shooting. I like that. That would fit Hoyball just fine. But I like Miles. I think he's solid. I think he's a guy who will play in this league for the next 15 years. I, I Again, I love Miles Bridges. I love him last year, too. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is going to be a great 3 and D guy. I just think Wendell Carter, pairing him down low defensively, he could be a stud. And you look at, you know, Zach Levine obviously hasn't been great, but he's still been injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Dunn obviously has been injured he, recently, but was but what was, he's done in this one was, year of development time was great. So I mean, like you can find a guy where at that fifth spot. If I have any weak spots, like I'm fine with it being my three because you can find guys who could just stand out there and shoot threes in, in the NBA. Like again, I know I don't that, feel good. 
Again, you guys have them going differently. Yeah. I feel like you can find a player I'm just, late we have in this so draft. Many bigs, and I know we're going to probably move mm-hmm. Rolo. Yeah. But, and we're stuck with um, a She Can Destroy's contract. It, it is what it is. But don't forget, we still have the 16th pick, too. Thanks, Pelicans. We do have the 16th yeah. pick, and we do have the part of the one two punch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I'm just <laughs> saying, we're pretty big four. down the. Yeah, but he played small ball five for us really well. Yes, but I feel like Carter would be a better. I feel like like Carter so versus Bobby is, Porter is is a hundred times Carter hands down. See, like, I, don't, I don't know. Carter's a better defender. Carter's a better. He's a better basketball player. Like I would take Wendell Carter right now to start <laughs> over Bobby Porter's. Like that's the thing. It's like it's not even like I don't know. No, Wendell Carter's a better basketball player than Bobby. Bobby Porter's, Porter's coming out look decent. Wendell Carter looks better than him right now. I just don't know. Again, it's it's the but unknown the versus thing is the known is that in my mind. Wendell right Carter's now. like eighteen years old. Bobby Porter's is like ninety seven. Like, like he's like twenty three. I'm joking. But he like, still has rookie contract. I'm joking. Twenty three. The, yeah. the difference is that Wendell Carter as a nineteen year old looks right. better than twenty three year old Bobby Portis. But you have a shitty ver- worst case scenario. You have a shittier, slightly shittier version of him versus having Paul Zipser. As your only small forward, the on zip there God. is free agency and a ton of more Look, picks to address the small and forward I understand, position. To be fair, you we are not even, trying to win real, games, so real, that's probably why we're rolling with the zip guy. Real quick, I'm going to spoil something. Grayson Allen does not go in our first round. The Bulls could take him, plug him at your three. Got some veteran leadership right there. I'm just saying. You could, at that, the three? That's a guy that can. He yeah. could chuck up threes, he could be but a two I wouldn't or three. He's a three. Okay. He could be a two or a three. Okay. I mean, he's not that small. I mean, Grayson Allen, you could plug him in as your three if you're playing small ball. Grayson Allen could be an outside shooter for you, right there. He can play gritty defense for you, and he could shoot from the outside. Could trip guys too. I mean, that's that's a thing where you know, hell, defense. like you you could take you could take you could find guys out deep in the second round, even not even at the 16th pick, that can be a, th- he a three D guy the, from the school of Draymond. You talk about uh, gritty defense, bear hugging LeBron. He's just gonna he, trip he ain't LeBron. Ain't no Captain Kirk. We don't go that route. Anyways, I I <laughs> think on. that I understand if, if they go bridges. I, I'm not. There's a lot of options there. You can't Both pass bridges. bridges. I feel yep. like you can go with the, uh, bridges. You can cross over bridges. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you can go with one of the bridges. I would just rather go Carter. I feel like Carter would be a better fit because you can pair him with uh, with Markkinen. You have Dunn, Levine, Markkinen. And uh, and Carter there as your your big four, and you could always address a three and D player in free agency or with the nineteen other picks you have in, in this draft. Or I think it's three, um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm just dramatic. Uh, let's now go to the ninth pick, New York Knicks. I've taken Miles Bridges. Uh, this is a kid that has rose to the occasion. You see him in that Purdue game. Mm-hmm. He consistently was hitting shots in big moments for Michigan State. Brought them back from a deficit. This is a kid that in the Big Apple would shine. I feel like he could be a great scorer. He could be good defensively for you. And looking at that team, if KP is never the same guy and mm-hmm. you know Frank is still developing and Moutier is never going to hit that potential, Miles Bridges is going to need to be a scorer. He's a scorer. He's the easy pick for New York. I know Mikhail might mm-hmm. be a better defender. Might be more of uh, you know today's archetype of uh, of NBA players with 3D, mm-hmm. but Miles Bridges, I feel like, would be a better scorer. I feel like he fits New York better. Well, I mean, that's what made my decision kind of hard was not only the KP injury, will he come back the same player, but also you look on it, another player opt to talk about Enos Cantor. Is he going to take that money? Is he not going to take that money? Yep. To me, if you're worried about KP and the injury, then I would have put Jaron Jackson here. But I'm not worried about that. You need a small forward. Kevin Knox was my best one available. See, I had a similar thought as far as the the center position. Again, another spot, Mo Bamba could have gone, and I was like, nah, fuck that. We're going Colin Sexton. <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? It's, you got Moody and Frank. Uh, let's be Moody honest. Moody is still under I'm contract. I'm not exactly sold on Moody at this point. I mean, he didn't look bad. 
He has first again, game again in the Pacers. You know, he played. Bad. He 14, played 10. a couple good games. That's that's super. That's He's super. But three games as a Nick. I know, but no, no, in his career, I'm saying like oh. it's it's not. Mm-hmm. We've never seen him consistently play well, and I understand what he's the adversity he's gone through in his career up to this point. But what I'm saying is the ability to add someone like Colin Sexton, who is a complete point guard, and have him play next to Frank at the two, and you have two great guards together. I think that is the perfect set for their future backcourt going forward because you have excellent defense. I mean, excellent defense from the one-two. And then you have a guy in Frank who has, once he gains more confidence in that shot, he's going to be a decent cheer because the motion's there, the shot selection's there. He just, confidence needs to come. Mm-hmm. I think the ball handling skills for Frank, I talked about this coming out before he was drafted. They were going to move him to the one, but he wasn't ready. And I, I'm glad that the Knicks have kind of realized that forcing him to play one before he's ready is a just recipe for disaster and turnovers. Mm-hmm. So I think this is like the ultimate way to get around their situation and set them up best for the future. And finally, the Philadelphia 76ers with that Lakers pick at 10. I have them going Mikael Bridges. This is the team that probably should address that power forward position because I know uh, they got their boy Dario there, but he's more of a, a bench, coming off bench guy. I don't, I don't, I don't like him in, in the starting lineup. Uh, you, you can address the power forward position, but with possibly J.J. Redick not coming back, you don't know if you're going to be able to resign him. Mm-hmm. Get a guy who can be a 3D player. I know you already have uh, Rocco, but hey, you can never have... Uh, enough uh, wings. I, yeah, enough wings. <laughs> Look at the Boston Celtics. I think Mikael Bridges would be a, a lovely fit there uh, for the 76ers, especially with uh, ben Simmons facilitating. Well, and I mean, one of the things I wanted to mention before we went on to the Sixers was 7 to 14 is what I'm calling the Colin Sexton range. He's either going to go as high as 7 or he's going to go as low as 14. I don't see the anyone, the Clippers, not taking him if he's there. But the thing I looked at with the 76ers was, first off, the J.J. Redick thing. I'm like, oh, they got to get a shooter. But then I'm like, you know what? I think the 76ers are probably like, you know what? Let's hope that Markel Fultz comes around because we drafted him for a reason. And like you said, I looked at that power forward. Amir Johnson's up at the end of the year. Trev Book's up at the end of the year. You guys can can walk. We'll take Jaron Jackson at uh, number 10. Well, to be fair, they do have a couple of Euro stashes that are potentially developing. Do they really? Um, are they going to super come shocked over by that? Yeah, I know the Sixers Euro stashes. What? Um, they got, they have two over there that look like they could come over next year. Probably only one will, but we'll wait and see on that. I do have them going Kevin Knox here because you want a guy who can shoot from that three spot, and I think that that would be a massive help for them. Another issue you add to this team, you know, you got Ben at the one, you got Markel hopefully at the two, and in, in case you don't resign JJ, which. I think that's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, I just see this being like, in you're, you're adding offense, you're adding a decent passer, a decent rebounder. Like, it's it's just a good wing fit for them. But anyways, let's move on now into the second part of our mock draft. We're going 11 through 20. We're picking three teams that we're going to talk about and the players that they picked, and then we'll discuss that. But Ricky, give us your 11 through 20. Well, going to start off at 11, the Charlotte Hornets, going with Troy Brown forward from Oregon, number 12. The Clippers, because of that Blake Griffin trade, going to go at Wendell Carter Jr., the forward center from Duke. 13, the Jazz going Robert Williams, the forward center from Texas A&M. Then the Clippers, they're back again. Hope you didn't miss them. They're going Colin Sexton, the point guard from Alabama. Then the Suns via the Heat going Chemezi Matu, my favorite name to say in this whole draft, forward center from USC. The Suns via the Heat. Then going with, oh, I just said that one. The Bulls then via the Pelicans going with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Hope I said that one right. You did. The guard from Kentucky. Then the 76ers going with Zana Musa, the small forward from overseas. Trailblazers going Lonnie Walker, guard from Miami. Nuggets going Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky. And the T-Wolves via the Thunder 
going with Chandler Hutchinson, the forward from Boise State. Dave, give us your 11 through 20. All right, my 11 through 20. I have the Hornets taking Mo Bamba, who weirdly fell down to the spot. I mean, probably won't happen, I don't know but how. I don't it happened know how. in my uh, mock, so deal with it. Uh, <laughs> at number 12, I got the Clippers going Wendell Carter Jr. Again, we talked, you know, potentially one of the best players in this draft who are big, you know, but Bagley's in front of them, so is what it is. I've got the Jazz going at number 13 with Robert Williams, the Fort Center from Texas. Solid player, just not much there. The Clippers, 14, going, I can't say his name, Shea. Yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shea Gilgis-Alexander from Kentucky. At number 15, I've got the Suns going with Lonnie Walker. At 16, I've got the Bulls going with Shake Milton because we don't have a point guard. Uh, Number 17, I've got the 76ers going with Troy Brown at another wing because why not? At number 18, I've got the Trailblazers going with Zan and Musa. Much needed shooting on the outside. Number 19, I've got the Nuggets going with uh, Keita Bates-Diop. And number 20, I've got the T-Wolves going with Kyrie Thomas. And my 11 through 20, we have the Hornets taking Kevin Knox out of Kentucky. At 12, the Clippers taking Colin Sexton from Alabama. 13, the Utah Jazz taking Troy Brown from Oregon. Number 14, the Clippers taking Robert Williams out of Texas A&M. 15, the Suns taking Zan and Musa uh, from overseas. 16, the Bulls taking Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky. 17, the 76ers taking Shug Gildress-Alexander, uh, Diallo's uh, uh, backcourt mate. Um, over at uh, Kentucky. Uh, 18, Trailblazers going with Shake Milton from, Milton from SMU. 19, Nuggets going with Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State. And number 20, T-Wolves going with Anthony Simmons, the guard, uh, the fifth-year senior in high school at IMG Academy. Uh, let's jump in first. We'll talk about the Clippers since they do have two picks in this block at 12 and 14. Adam going Colin Sexton, Robert Williams. Ricky had him going Wendell Carter uh, Jr. and Colin Sexton. And Dave had him going with Wendell Carter and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a mix of of both big men and guards. Ricky and I ended up actually having the same, uh, you know, we didn't have the same uh, combo of going. You had Robert Williams going on uh, 13. Uh, but we both, all three, had a guard and forward combo. Mm-hmm. What do you think with the Clippers, especially with this Blake trade that made this possible, what do you think the direction for this team should be going in the draft? Should it be specific player types or should it just be BPA? Well, it's got to be BPA. Like, here's the thing. I think BPA, but what plays into their picks most at this point is what are the Jazz going to do? Because if the Jazz are going to go with a point guard, I'm going to go Colin Sexton with that first pick. However, if I feel like the Jazz are going to go with a big man, I'm going to take the big man that I want. I'm not going to let the Jazz indicate which one I get stuck with. So that's why with me, I looked at it and I was like, personally, I'm like, you know what? The Jazz could go point guard, but Ricky Rubio will still be there. They'll probably go with a big if I'm the Clippers, I'm going with the big that I want. Jazz take their big, and then I get Colin Sexton with my second pick. Yeah, the fact that Colin Sexton is that low is kind of kind like of ridiculous. Said, the bottom of my range. I would say that Colin Sexton doesn't go past him at, at that 12 spot because I look at Colin Sexton, and, and yes, you might think the Jazz might not take him, but you know, and again, you have Wendell Carter going there, but I would rather take Colin Sexton over mm-hmm. Wendell Carter if I'm the Clippers because you look at them, they do have Milos, they do have Pat Bev, but. Colin Sexton is going to be there and possibly could be there for the next 15 years. Colin mm-hmm. Sexton, in my mind, could be a franchise point guard mm-hmm. in your mind. In my mind, and the fact that he's at 12 is kind of shocking, but no team above them needs guards as badly. You know, it needs a guard like the Clippers Says could you. use a guard. I mean, like, well, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't think that, well, that that's, the Knicks I'm the only one who had Colin Sexton going up above. Yeah, I don't think the Knicks technically need a guard. I think, I think it's between the Cavs and the Knicks are the, the likely takers. The Sixers could if they don't believe in... Um, Fultz coming back healthy, and that that's totally... I think there's three teams. I, I think 
That's just my opinion. The mm-hmm. Hornets could. I don't think the Hornets will because they I, could, I, I, though, thought is, I thought about them. I thought about them just like, because of the Kemba stuff. Kemba's yeah. the, well, not just the Kemba trade, but like you look at the rest, it's like Michael Carter Williams is up after the year. Yeah, because um, you want to resign that guy. Exactly. No, but hold on, hold on. And Stone's up at They're the not, end of the year. They're not going to take Colin Sexton to back up Kemba Walker. No, but it's on top of the trade stuff. Also, it's we don't know what our point guards are going to even look like. That's why I almost had him go there, but. I, the Clippers is just too good to pass up. I think if if he goes, it's going to be the Hornets, the Clippers, Cavs, or possibly the, the Suns, but the Suns won't be at one. That's, mm-hmm. that's a problem. I think the Suns yeah. is the best fit for him, but the Suns yeah. are at one, and they're not going to take they, – they shouldn't take Colin Sexton, number Correct. one. So that's the thing is, and, you know, if he hits 15, Suns fans should be throwing a party in Phoenix because you're getting <laughs> well, DeAndre Ayton, in my mind, and then Colin Sexton. Well, and, so that's, I, I think, and that ran into what we talked about in the first one of, like, do you go with Luca over DeAndre because of what is going to be this low? And the Clippers, 14, Colin doesn't go past them. Yeah, for teams with two picks, it really does take a, a solid strategy and some predictions mm-hmm. on other teams' behalfs to really fill out your draft picks. So I, I think that, yeah, you're 100% right. If, if Colin Sexton's there at 12, I would 100% not pass him up, Sean. I think there's, there's no better point guard, like, the dip after Sexton mm-hmm. to the next available it's point ridiculous. guard is massive. So I, I'm I'm of the kind of I take Colin Sexton 100 percent and I take whichever's better who's left as far as my big man going forward. One question I'm thinking: What do you guys now that we're sitting here All Star break of the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you guys think Milos is going to be for this Clipper team? Because I look at the point guards they have. You have Milos, which me I'm unsure. That's why I'm asking. Mm-hmm. But then you got Pat Bev, which. He even sees himself, they said on the Will Kane shows, yeah, I'm just an A-plus role player. I'm mm-hmm. not that starting point guard. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is Milos going to be that starting point guard? He's or? a 31, 32-year-old who's been injured, and we really haven't seen enough out of him. If, if I'm you know, Jerry West, I'm not banking my, mm-hmm. my whole you know, team on, on Milos being my, yeah, mm-hmm. on my starting point guard when Colin Sexton, you know, being 19, could step in and, and be my starting point guard for the next 15 years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something where I, I wouldn't look at Milos being the decider there. I'm looking at Los Angeles. You're trying to get younger. You're trying to get players with potential. Colin Sexton is there. It doesn't matter who else is, is around. Colin Sexton is not only the best player available. He also has the highest ceiling. I'm going with Colin Sexton if, he, if he's there. I think the Hornets can definitely make a play for him. And, and I think it really depends on the Kemba situation. They're going to be trading Kemba. They're taking Colin Sexton. If Colin Sexton's taken, they're going to be trading Kemba Walker. Right. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's my thought process. Um, and, and with the Clippers, Colin Sexton is too good to pass up. And, and that's why at 12, there's no way I'm letting them possibly slip to, to 13 because that possibility means that a team could possibly trade up and, and, and snatch them right away from you. You look at the Bulls. If the Bulls are there. They might use as much firepower as they possibly can to jump them uh, up to that 13 because, you know, they want Colin Sexton. Like, if, if Colin Sexton starts oh, to fall outside had, of the top 10, I, I feel like teams are going to start trading up and try to get him. I almost had him go 8 to the Bulls, but I was like, nah, I can't do it. I can't mm-hmm. have the Bulls take a point guard knowing that it's like that's not the true need that we had. Yeah. Um, with especially Mikhail Bridges there. But I like the trade thing that you brought up because the team – that I'll just bring them into it as the Jazz sandwiched right in between them. The reason why I'm thinking that they wouldn't go and take a Sexton and steal it away is because you got Ricky Rubio for one more year, and I know what you're probably thinking. Well, we're not going to re-sign him. I don't even want Ricky Rubio on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you let him go, what did we talk about last year's draft? You Don Mitchell, yeah, he's a two, but could be – transitioned over into that point guard. So for me, 
the Jazz, if Ricky Rubio getting rid of him is in your plan, Donovan Mitchell is probably going to become your main ball handler and your main point guard. Well, and one thing, too, I mean, in, in your mock, if Colin Sexton mm-hmm. is there, I feel like you could take him and you could just, you know, bounce back and forth from Donovan Mitchell and mm-hmm. Colin Sexton being your ball handler. I True. mean, those those yeah. guys, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has proven that he could be a secondary ball mm-hmm. handler. And mm-hmm. that would just, you know, allow Donovan Mitchell to work off ball. So I feel like you could possibly pair those two together. And those two, in, you know, back there is your, your one and two would be a disgusting, dynamic duo back mm-hmm. there. So, I, I mean, that's the one thing with the Jazz is the Jazz... It's something where you don't really you have a star in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert has is one of the best you know down low players in the NBA. But I don't think Gobert's a star. I think if you get Count Sexton, you could possibly pair him with a star. So that's one thing where if I'm looking at the Jazz, I don't have them going Count Sexton because Count Sexton's already gone. But if mm-hmm. Count Sexton's available for the Jazz, I would take him. No, I can't disagree with that, and that's why like if I'm them and the way my mock works out is the Clippers end up taking the best big man available, which would be Wendell Carter. And then the Jazz, again, we're going big, and Robert Williams. And mm-hmm. I think that that, for them, it fills a need. And I, I'm not totally sold on we're done with Ricky Rubio. I think he's played pretty well since coming to the Jazz. I think they still want to see what they have with Exum. I think that he's still young. He still has potential. And I think that you know if they if given time, could be their guy going forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that with the Jazz, again, and the Clippers, too, I feel like the Clippers and Jazz both have pieces there. I mean, you look at... The Clippers, they're bringing back Lou Will. You look at the Jazz, they're going to have Donovan Mitchell. They're going to have Rudy Gobert. Um, but it's still something where these teams, they might be making the playoffs. They might be, you know, Jazz yeah. right now on an 11-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clippers are very close. Um, it's it's just something where you're still trying to recover from losing a Gordon Hayward uh, or a Blake Griffin and uh, Chris Paul. And, and I think it's something where you just have to take those next steps. And by taking those next steps, that means bringing in new talent, fresh blood, the Jazz have done that with Donovan Mitchell. They're going to need to do it again here. And mm-hmm. the Clippers, they're going to need to bring in fresh blood because we don't know the situation with DeAndre Jordan, especially mm-hmm. after this year, with his contract situation. Lou Will will obviously be there. Um, Pat Bev will obviously be there. But those guys have never been ones and twos in their careers. Mm-hmm. You need to start taking guys who are ones and twos. And that's why if I'm looking at the Clippers, you know, taking a Wendell Carter uh, for both of you guys, I think that's great. Um, obviously, I'm taking Count Sexton just because I think he's going to be a star. Yeah. Count Sexton's already off your board. But I think you need to start taking those steps to getting stars. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Wendell Carter's that guy, but you know, obviously Dave already has Count Sexton gone. Yeah, Ricky, I'm just a little worried about the Jazz sniping well, Count Sexton. And that's the thing where, like you brought up, the Clippers could make the playoffs. If the yeah. Clippers make the playoffs and the Suns get in between, the Bulls get in between, then it becomes, all right, let's take Colin Sexton with that first one. Because I don't think the Pistons are... Yeah, the Pistons could make a run. I like you got Blake and um, Drummond playing well out there, but I still think that Pistons pick is going to be enough to get them Sexton, hopefully for the Clippers. And if the Clippers actually make the playoffs, then that could flip it to where okay, let's take a guard before we look at a big man because they need a power forward now. After giving Blake away, they so only they, have one they just on the roster. Fingers crossed that both teams, the Pistons themselves, mm-hmm. don't continue to do well for the yeah. rest of this year. Because twenty six mm-hmm. games left. Montrez Harold is the only Harold's the only power forward they have. He's an RFA at the end of the year, and then you got DeAndre and Boban. And mm-hmm. you're two. So well, you're playing Tobias and mm-hmm. and Danilo both at the three four. So I mean, mm-hmm. that that's honestly the lap and. The thing is, for for moving Blake, they're still doing really well. Mm-hmm. So that's they have to be a little bit, a little bit curious, a little bit cautious about that. And you know, if they end up making that push, or if they end up shutting somebody down towards the end of the year, like I know it's not a popular move. Shut Lou Will down. 
But if if it, I mean, Pat Bev's already done for the season, yeah. so you could do something where you know nobody's gonna be happy. But if you set yourself up for a future pick in someone like Colin Sexton, I don't think at the end of the day you look back and be like, man, they were really assholes for the last ten games where they didn't play their starters. Yeah, and and let's move on now away from the Clippers and let's go to the Jazz mm-hmm. just because we brought them up a bit. You both have him going, Robert Williams, uh, the forward center out of Texas A&M, uh, going to the Jazz. How do you think he fits? With uh, Rudy Gobert, because you know, obviously Derek Favors isn't a first-year lockdown thing uh, for the Jazz from here on out, um, and Robert Williams is a guy that I don't see a lot of offensive potential with, and they already have a guy in Rudy Gobert that's already bogging down that offense. I mean, Rudy Gobert is an offensive machine out there; he's known for his defense. Right. Robert Williams is going to be a guy that fits a similar role. Do you feel like that's going to be a problem if you pair Williams and Gobert together down low? You know, I don't see it as a huge problem because. The thing that I look at is even if you pair it to where Rudy's Rudy's playing here and then when Rudy comes off, okay, Robert Williams is out there. I just I look at what Robert Williams brings to a team, always hustles for rebounds, has the wingspan. And to me the thing I like is like I just said, the hustles for rebound, having that motor to kind of you know what, that ball's gonna go out of bounds. I'm not waiting for the lucky bounce. I'm going to go and chase it down so that we can get the ball, I can get it to my point guard, and then we can push the ball down the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me what I see is the ability to not need to pay Derek Favors big money. Like I don't that think too. he's going to get huge money. I think even if he even if they give him like a 2-year like anything not a 4-year contract, like mm-hmm. you have your transitional guy now. And that's that's what I'm thinking is you have a guy when Gobert's not on the floor, you still have a defensive presence down low. When when Favors is off the floor, you have a, a you have an even better defensive presence. Like I just think that's the next step going forward because I think Derek Favors isn't going to be the long-term answer that matches up with the time frame they're thinking building this team around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I, I think just looking at the Jazz, I think they're going to need to give some help to Donovan Mitchell on the outside. And and right now I think that they need someone who can, you know, score from them and Robert Williams is not a guy that I think can do that. I look at him if for 14, he's going to be able to fill uh, you know some of the def- defensive stuff that, you know, DeAndre Jordan's going to bring away from that team. I mm-hmm. feel like he's he's going to be a nice pick and you're not going to have to rely on him offensively because you have Tobias Harris, Neil Gallinari, Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. You're going to have players that can score offensively. And with the Jazz, you bring in a guy like Troy Brown because yes, you have Jumpin' Joe Ingles out there, Dave's favorite player. Um you have Donovan Mitchell, those guys can score, but in the NBA, you need wings. You need guys who can be versatile. You need guys who can play def- defense on the outside. And, you know, you never get enough of those guys. And that's why I think, you know, Troy Brown would be the guy where, you know, at that power forward position, I don't see a guy that can really be a scorer for them, you know, from here on out. So I would rather go with a wing position and possibly address that power forward situation in, you know, free agency or through a trade. Well, so that, I mean, that's something where I, I don't really see a fit power forward wise for the Jazz. Well, I mean, that's a big thing where it's like you look at Dave, I'm looking at your mock draft. You still got Troy Brown there. With me, I don't. I had him go to the Hornets. So it's like with me, if I'm going that route, which is not wrong, you could go that route. The next two is Zana Musa where it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm in love with that for the Jazz or a guy where it says guard, but I believe he can play the three as well with Hamadou Diallo, which I'm not high on that either because of the development project. Exactly. He's athletic the enough. Project. It's just what basketball skills can he bring is the question. Yeah. For me, I looked well, at yeah, this. Yeah, the and kid can be like a track star and can do everything like in a gym, but 
I don't think he could play basketball. That's the problem with Diallo. We've seen people fall in love with the build before and, you know, hope no. people figure out basketball later on. There's a reason why he's in my 11 through 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, me, I am worried about Hamadou Diallo because he can't play basketball. For me, the thing with this position was they're locked down in contracts in their wings right now. They've got mm-hmm. Thabo, they've got Jay Crowder, they've got Joe Ingles. Joe's there through 2020. Jay's there through 2019. And Thabo's there for 2018. Like, you have guys who are all veteran players, who all have playoff experience, and who all are decent shooters and defenders. So I'm going in going, we're vet heavy at the wing. I feel good about that. But so you know what why we don't not inject have? some youth in there? Well, you have you picked up Royce O'Neal last year. I don't expect him to be the future, but I don't think that... I, I think that you want to have the veteran position on the wing, and I, I'm very comfortable with what they have. I look at that power forward position... And I don't love Derek Favors. I don't love anything they have on this roster. I think that that's yeah. something they can address in free agency potentially this year. But at the same time, if you can go out and get someone who can be, go between the four and the five and consistently give you a defensive presence on that floor, regardless mm-hmm. of Rudy Gobert, because if Rudy's out for some games, again, you have that guy who can step in. I don't know. Just with Robert Williams, I don't think there's enough offensively there to, that, that would help the Jazz. And I, I think I understand your point about having that veteran leadership, but. And it's again, just the, like, the contracts too. I mean, you're you're tying yourself yeah, up but, with guys. But Joe who, Ingles is making what, like seven million a year? Uh, 14, 13, oh, uh, twelve, and then okay. eleven. Well, J- Jay's making six to seven a year. Jay's got a really affordable contract, so that's yeah. something that's really not bogging them down. And that's one thing too with with having so many. You know, if you have three wings out there, you're going to be able to consistently have a consistent, you know, consistent players out there that can do the same yeah, thing they, out there, and you're not going to have a dip in talent. And that's something where Troy Brown is also going to bring youthful energy, and he's going to bring something different than Joe Ingles. Joe, Joe Ingles has been a great uh, outside shooter, but Troy Brown also is more athletic than Joe Ingles. He's, he, he can possibly become a better defender than Joe Ingles. Um, and you look at Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was great in Boston. He finds he's himself been, again. He's been okay in Utah, but, I mean, again, it's been such a small yeah. sample size. It's something where those two guys— don't bring the same exact stuff that Troy Brown does. They same play the same position, but they don't they don't bring the same mm-hmm. stuff that Troy Brown does. And that's the reason why I, I think the Jazz would go with Troy Brown because there's not that power forward out there in my mind that fits well with that Jazz team. I think you mm-hmm. need someone because Derek Favors. I know you're not you don't love him, but I think you need a pair, uh, an offensive player with Gobert. Favors has shown that he can play offensively at points in his career, um, and I don't think there's a guy out there that's worth the pick. Um, for the Jazz at that spot. Like, the only player that I would think of is, like, maybe Jonte Porter. But Jonte Porter would be that's a, a reach. reach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's the one thing, is I wouldn't go with No, with, I respect that. Totally respect it. But uh, the last team we're going to talk about is the Portland Trailblazers at 18. I haven't taken Shake Milken. You haven't taken uh, Ricky, uh, Lonnie Walker, and Dave hasn't taken Zana Musa. Dave picked this one. Dave, is it just because you want to talk about Zana? A little bit, Zanin. A little bit, because I think the Trailblazers are one of those weird teams where they got stuck in cap hell, Mm -hmm. and they were really locked into players, and they had to ship around some contracts. And when I look at this team going forward, it's like, why haven't they been successful? What is holding this team back? And, you know, last year it was the addition of uh, Yusef Nurkic, and we saw what his toughness brought. You know, when he's on that court, it is night and day for this team. But then they ran to the issue of, now all of a sudden we're lacking some shooting. Why, you know, we're, we're our wing depth isn't great, and we're not getting a consistent performance out there. Zanamus is a guy who I think can come in, knock down shots for you, and make sure that you don't have that drop-off from going with Dame and CJ out there. And then when you go to that second unit, you know, they always try to balance it so one of the two's out there, and they can never truly rest them both at the same time without a massive drop-off in their um, box box score, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's one of those things where I feel like, Small forward, easily addressable here with a guy with high upside, with a clean shot, 
and somebody who will definitely be there in this range. Yeah, the one thing is that I just have Zion gone, so I, yeah. I, I can't take him. But you have him uh, going as well uh, before I'm going to the 76ers, Ricky. Yep. Um, so we go with the guard spot with Shake Milton, Milton and Lonnie Walker. Um, my thought process, and Ricky, you can let me know if it's the mm-hmm. same thing, is just the fact that you know behind CJ and Dame, there's not a lot of depth there at yeah. that guard position for the for the Portland Trailblazers. So I'm looking for a guy that defensively, you know, Dame and you know CJ, they're great players, mm-hmm. um, you know, not the greatest defenders. <laughs> so if you have the ability to bring in a Shake Milton who could be a defender, can also distribute the ball um, to a guy like you know CJ or Dame if they want to work them those two off ball. I feel like Shake Milton may be a perfect pit, fit, but you're going with Lonnie Walker, a guy with a lot of potential. What mm-hmm. was your reasoning for well, going Lonnie Walker in that spot over like a Shake Milton? When I when I look at the Trailblazers. The thing I think of is, yeah, like Dave said, they're in cap hell. But the thing that I really think of is they're a team because of having Dame locked down until 2021, having CJ locked down till 2021. They're a team that's probably going to be a playoff team for a while. They don't have to worry about, well, we're going to be in the lottery this year. No, they're going, well, they're to, going be to be a playoff, a team, playoff but, team. But it's really what quality playoff team are going to be. And with me, I'm looking at it where it's sort of a, like, kind of a BPA, but it's more of like a, hey, you know what? If this player, and with his potential, is where we think it is, this will end up being a BPA. It might not look BPA because, you know, he has an injury. We haven't seen what we wanted to see out of him this year because of that injury. But when you look at him, he's a guy who, yeah, the percentage is low, but he can shoot the three. He's got the wingspan. He's young. And he can play defense. Like, developing that to be, even if it's the two behind CJ, then they can develop to where it's like, oh, maybe we can have Damon CJ off the court at the same time for a brief period and have someone locked, not locked down, but someone hold their own on the court so that we don't lose a ton of points having our stars on the bench. Yeah. Well, one thing, too, Lonnie, that you know, he, he's not a finished basketball player by mm-hmm. any route. Um, people like him as a sleeper. He hasn't really shown a lot on the court in Miami. He's been injured as well, started off the year with an injury. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we really don't know what we're getting out of Alani Walker. The one thing with him is that you know, if he has a really good combine, a really good end of the season, he could be a guy that possibly just won't be there for yeah, That's for, the issue for, for, with for me. I have him going already. That's why mm-hmm. I end up going with a wing there. And again, it's you're right. It's potential's all there, but this is a team that needs help sooner rather than later, like mm-hmm. Ricky said, because they're competing in the playoffs year in and year out. So that's why I feel like if you add some additional scoring out there and they continue and they decide to pay up for Nurkic's extension going forward, I think this is, this team is going to be a contender. It's just the West is so damn deep. Yeah. They, they need to pull out some more tools. We have five minutes left, just real quick. We have some players that are new to this this mm-hmm. even whole draft. I mean, we got uh, Hutchinson from uh, Boise State. We got uh, Gilgis Alexander. We got, uh, uh, who else is Diop. on there? Uh, Ke- uh, B- yeah, Bates Diop, uh, Kyrie Thomas. There's some new guys out there. Mm-hmm. Which guys are you excited about, Ricky? Well, my new guy going to the Bulls, the Shea Gilgis Alexander, to where what do you like this is... This is the one where, like, the Bulls, you remember when I said I almost had him go Colin Sexton with that eighth? Well, this is why I didn't, because, hey, we can take a Mikael Bridges, get that guy who can be our point guard, but 
he doesn't have to be right away because we do have Chris Dunn there. We do have not saying campaign, but we do have Jerry and Grant who has been doing well for us. Yeah, Gilgis Alexander can develop mm-hmm. on your bench. I, I like that pick for the Bulls. Um, but the one thing with me looking at the Bulls, you know, I think you know, go with Hamadou Diallo. You just hate the Bulls. I hate the that's Bulls. What, hate that's the Bulls. what this draft said. He passed up He's both purchases. And gave us Diallo, who he doesn't think can play basketball. Amadou Diallo's got a lot of potential, guys. Like Dave said, he can do everything in the gym. He's a yep. gym rat. So <laughs> I, I went for a backup point guard because so sue me. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Shake Milton becomes a. I'm going to talk about the Bulls. I said, give me a player who's never been on the board. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> Shake Milton was on the board in 1.0. I'll go with uh, Keita Bates Diop. Um, it's a it's a player who's been in the NCAA for a while. He is not a, a first year player, and I respect that out of him. Yeah, rising up. Ohio he's State's grown doing, his game. Well this year. He is he is leading Ohio State through their through their conference, and I think he is a good scorer. He is a good all-around player. He is not one guy who's just like... I, I think the problem is there's no wow factor. Like yeah. He has evolved his game over time, and yes, this year has been a jump mm-hmm. from 9 to 19 points per game, but at the same time, it's more so about his usage than about you know what he brought to the game. So I think that consistent player... Good shooter and all around, I think it's really impressive what he's done in his college career. I don't know if we have Ohio State fans out there, I and mean, this is just me being an ass. So he's just Jared Sollinger. Oh fuck you! <laughs> no, because he can shoot. For... Yeah, fuck it. Jared Sollinger in China shooting threes. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the final player I want to mention is uh, Boise State Chandler Hutchinson. Uh, not Hutchinson. I have that uh, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Uh, Chandler Hutchinson. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is driving to the paint a lot. He's a guy that can get to the line uh, as well, and he's shown at points, not really consistently, uh, but that he could shoot three point. Uh, three-pointer uh there's a big drop off really uh you know probably after the 14th pick um you know then you're really going off of potential so a guy with hutchison uh who you know throughout his career at boise state has improved gotten better could be a guy that you know could be a good role player for for Mm -hmm. people down the line could possibly be like a kyle kuzma guy who we both we all slept on last year um and really took did we sleep on him i don't remember any of us mentioning kyle kuzma in any of our mock drafts i never brought up kuz daddy Never, mm. not once. Did you bring up Kuzma? I honestly can't remember last I year. I don't think any of us brought up Kuzma. <laughs> so that's one thing where you look at Hutchison. Hutchison could be a guy that we would possibly never look look at, and he's just a guy that could be a nice role player, and maybe he could be something more. But, hey, this guy could be a, a good role player, and I think the Nuggets, um, with their situation with Willis Barton, Wilson Chandler, they need to get a small forward, and Hutchison could be a guy that can you know fill some of the same roles that uh Will Thrill and Wilson Chandler did. So uh, those are the guys that we talked about in our 2.0. But let's move into the last leg of our Mock Draft 2.0 if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for joining us for part three. We're talking about 21 through 30. If you're still listening on Blog Talk Radio, you have digested, I think, <laughs> over an hour. And it's probably going to be close to two hours. It's going to be yeah. long. It's going to be close to two hours on Blog Talk Radio. So you guys are a trooper out there. And Ricky, thank you for editing as well because this is going to be up on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks to you. So shout out to you. Uh, but Ricky, let's go to you and uh, give us your 21 through 30. Well, starting off at number 21, the Milwaukee Bucks going with Daniel Gafford, the center from Arkansas. Then 22, the Pacers going with Kyrie Thomas, the guard from Creighton. 23, the Wizards going with Mitchell Robinson, the high school center. The Hawks via the T-Wolves going with Anthony Simmons, another high school player, this time a guard. The Spurs going with Shake, Shake, Shake Milton, the guard out of SMU. Please never The again. Lakers yeah, via the Cavs going with Landry Shamet, the guard from Wichita State. Celtics at 27 going Brandon McCoy, the forward center from UNLV. The Nets via the Raptors going with Roy. 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 You literally tried this seven times Raleigh before Elkins. the Hopkins. 
Raleigh. How do you 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 get it so messed up in your mind? And then it just comes out the guard forward from Arizona. He said it perfect before the podcast. I corrected you before we started, and I still screwed it up. Then the Warriors at twenty nine go on Trayvon Duval, the guard from Duke, and then Mister Irrelevant for the first round, the Hawks via the Rockets go with Jacob Evans. The forward from Cincinnati. Don't try to make things that aren't a thing a thing. Well, he's it's the not. last pick of our mock, so he's Mr. Irrelevant. He's not Mr. Round. Irrelevant. There's only of one the Mr. Irrelevant. There's only one, and he is pick 60. Yes. Sorry. Dave, deal with it. Go with your 21 uh, through 30, and please don't say shake, 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 shake. I would never do that, <laughs> and that's okay. Shake, he's already shake, gone anyway. Yeah, let's say. Shake so <laughs> I've got the Bucks at 21 going with Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. At number 22, I've got the Pacers taking Chandler Hutchison from Boise. At 23, I've got the Wizards going with Josh Okoge from Georgia Tech. I do love that boy. Uh, 24, I've got the Hawks going Anthony Simmons because it's all about that youth. 25, I've got the Spurs going Landry Shamet, the one and only. Uh, 26, I've got the Lakers going with Mitchell Robinson because they need a center badly. Uh, 27, I've got the Celtics going with Bruce Brown. 28, I've got the Nets going with Hamadou. 29, I've got... Yeah, whatever. They got got time. And the Warriors at 29 go with Shemezi Matu. And number 30, one of my favorite picks, I've got uh, the Hawks stashing for Isaac Bonga. One thing this draft is great for, even if the players suck, even though I don't think they will, this might be one of the, the best names. drafts of all time. The names oh, yeah, are phenomenal. amazing. Bonga, Hamadou, uh, Anthony Simi, Simmons, Matu. Akogi, Shemezi Matu, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, Hamadou these are some Z- Muhammad Bamba. Zanin Musa. Like, these are some killer names. Uh, and Luka, Luka Doncic. It's also uh, some good names out here. But anyways, uh, my 21 <laughs> through 30. We have the Bucks taking Mitchell Robinson, the uh, player who uh, went away from Western Kentucky, taking a break, taking a siesta from uh, basketball this year, uh, working outside of uh, a team. And we got 22, the Pacers going with uh, Lonnie Walker from Miami. Uh, then at 23, the Wizards going with Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. 24, the Atlanta Hawks going with Jonte Porter, the other Porter from Missouri. 25, the Spurs going with Landry Shamet from Wichita State. 26, the Lakers going with Bruce Brown from Miami, Florida. 27, the Celtics going with Trayvon Duvall from Duke. 28, the Nets going with Kitta Bates-Diop from Ohio State. 29, the Warriors going with Kyrie Thomas from Creighton. And 30, the Atlanta Hawks. Via the Atlanta, nope, the, via the Houston Rockets, uh, Jacob <laughs> Evans from Cincinnati. Uh, and guys, let's talk first about the Hawks. They have two picks in this bunch. I have them going John T. Porter, Jacob Evans. Dave has them going Isaac Abunga and Anthony Simmons. And Ricky has them going Anthony Simmons and Jacob Evans. So uh, a little bit of uh, overlap. You guys both have them going uh, Simmons, mm-hmm. and Ricky and I both have them going Evans. Uh, what should be the attack uh, for the Hawks? Well, Young talent. I Just- mean, <laughs> realistically, like, the way that... I had it going down was we're gonna get our we're gonna get our big we're gonna get eight and at one then we're gonna go with at a two. guy or at two then a guy who can play the point guard and Simmons then a guy who can be just a wing and play the three so you're hitting every level of what you're doing your big your backcourt and then your wing yeah Is I that- mean, that's totally fair I, I am not the same way I've got them going Luca. And Isaac Bonga. Bonga is like a worse version of Luca mm-hmm. as it stands today. Don't care because Bonga's got stash potential, and if he develops and continues to develop, would really be something valuable out there. Even if he is coming off of the bench, he'd be one of the best six men, potentially. Like, it's just, I think he's a guy who you take a flyer on just for the potential. It's not so much like it's a great fit for your team right now. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know if I would want to do a second round pick on him because. You get the first round pick, you, that means you get the protection over his mm-hmm. contract. 
And then I've got Anthony Simmons because he's one of the younger players in this draft. Uh, or not one of the younger. He's still a fifth-year senior, so same age. But He's 18, I think, still. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is young point guard. He has the body size for it. And I think that, obviously, they're not totally in love with Schroeder right now. So mm-hmm. you might as well roll the dice. Yeah, the one thing with Anthony Simmons is really, is he going to come out? He's gonna. He has a meeting with uh, Minnesota at some point. Uh, he hasn't declared a date. And I think he's going to make his decision by March. So it's going to be interesting to see if Simmons comes out. But... I think he's a player that, you know, right now a five-star recruit, I feel like he's going to go in top 20 if he comes out just because mm-hmm. there is that potential. Mm-hmm. You really haven't seen him in a, a college system, but you have that potential. You have that ability to work with him. I, I feel like if he, if he you know, hits, it's going to be T-Wolves will be the last team that, you know, lets him pass through, through their fingers. So I think Simmons, though, at, at 24 for the Hawks would be an absolute steal. I have him going with uh, John Tay Porter and Jacob Evans. I, I'm going along the same lines with you with Evans. Even though they have... Uh, uh, Prince and they have Bembry. Uh, Bembry really hasn't working out for him. Uh, and Prince has been really nice, but I think that you know one thing that Prince doesn't do great shoot mm-hmm. from the outside. He's been a really well all around player, but Jacob Evans can be a strict three and D player. Mm-hmm. And again, you can never have too many wings in this in this game. And then also, if you're adding a Luca, it's something where you're going to need shooting. So I think that's something where you know give a guys that Luca can pass out to and dish around. If you also have Schroeder on that team, I think that you know pairing him with shooters is going to be something. Uh, that, that it would really be beneficial to Doncic, uh, Schroeder, and then Evans could be a guy on the outside. And then I have him going Jonte Porter because this kid is a sleeper. I know that Michael Porter is you know the, the best thing <laughs> since sliced bread, number one coming out of high school. You know going to Mizzou because his dad. But Jonte declared, you know, uh, redeclared, redefined his age, and was able to get into Mizzou and now playing, trying to play with his brother. Unfortunately, his brother gets injured. Uh, but Jonte's been doing great for Missouri, Missouri right now. And, you know, I, I, when I have been watching Missouri basketball, it's been for Jonte Porter. Mm-hmm. And he's shown the ability to hit from the outside. He's shown the ability to be a fluid guy um, running the floor up and down. He's shown the ability to have a big, nice body. He's completely different from his brother. Mm-hmm. Don't expect it. He's more of a built player. Um, and it's something where Jonte Porter, I feel like, you know, if you have the passing abilities of Luca, you have the passing abilities of Schroeder, Having him run off pick and rolls, pick and pops, um, cutting as well. I think that Porter could be a really nice addition to this team. Um, I think that Jonte could be a real sleeper that, you know, in, in the fact that people might be looking over him just because they're not watching a ton of Missouri tape because Michael Porter isn't out there and they might be looking over him because, you know, he's, he's really young. Mm-hmm. They might be looking over him because he's the other brother. But I think that he can be a guy that, you know, even though Brooke Lopez was the better Lopez. Robert Lopez uh, has had a real no nice career for himself. The yeah. thing that I think about with— I said um, Robert, Robin. Yeah, yeah Robin. With Jonte um, Porter is it's very—like, you talk about Simmons possibly not coming out. I see different mock drafts, whether it's 2019, 2018, SI, ESPN, Well, the thing with—the reason why you like, might be seeing him on 2019 is because he was going to be in the class of 2019, mm-hmm. but then reclassified no, to get into this but year. What, I, what I'm saying is I've seen mock drafts where people are like—imagine this. It's like—I'm using yours as the example. Yeah. You're 24 right now. Think about it. It's like if I stay one more year up that draft stock— get myself into the top 20, mm-hmm. get myself into the lottery. Like, that's something that you could also think about with John Tay because you're so low in that first round. I get we always have the the discussion of take, take the, the money, money, but I've seen mock drafts where it's like, you know what? He could stay, go to the 2019 draft, and add to that one that will probably have, like, R.J. Barrett and Zion. The, the thing with that is look at our the, the, the 23 mm-hmm. players before him. I want to say the only upperclassmen or even guys who have two years on them are Hutchison from Boise State, 
Shake Milton, Shake Milton, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, Shake Milton, and then also uh, Troy Brown. I think those are the only three guys who have more than uh, a year experience mm-hmm. in, in those picks. So I understand that hey, you might get a better you know slot next year, but with John Tay, I mean, if you're showing enough to get drafted, get drafted. If your dad, your brother's not going to be there next year, go out. If you want to play with your brother and and Michael's going to stay, then you know stay there and play with your brother but if you have the opportunity to leave and you already had a year in college leave go to an nba pro get better and possibly yeah you might not get that you know you might get that you know better draft slot mm-hmm. early but you might go to a, an atlanta hawks team where you'll see more playing time and they might see enough of you where you'll get a bigger contract in that second year i mean like again it's a roll of the dice on what's mm-hmm. going to happen in your career but i feel like you know jante this might be as high as he gets because you know just the way that things happen he might see, come out next year and you might not see any growth from him he just might not be in the same position as he is right now and the thing that's great about the process now is he can be like oh i'm gonna come out it's yeah. all the way up to the lottery lottery set oh no i'm going back to missouri i don't want to go to the hawks mm-hmm. like if if you had him slotted to the spurs the celtics the warriors or i mean maybe even like the wizards then i would be like Come out because you're on a team. You're on a team where I don't have to worry about anything. I can just sit here, develop, and but make my NBA money. The Hawks, it kind of concerns me. You get more it would, playing time if you're on the Hawks. Though. Yes, but uh, the direction of the Hawks is what I question right now. There's a reason why they're the second overall pick and why we why are— is it? Because they're not a good NBA team. Well, that's just because they lost Al Horford. They lost Kyle no, Corver. They lost uh, Jeff Teague. They I get, lost uh, I get that they lost Carroll, a lot. Demar Carroll, who's the other guy? Uh, Millsap. Yeah, they I get literally that, moved all of their talent into rebuilding. I just get, because they're a small talent, they're a small talent. So I they didn't get have that, money but to there's take like those guys on. there's a reason why it's like we're talking about. Oh, they might get rid of Schroeder. They're not happy with that. I just how many years John have the Hawks Tay, been a top pick? I just would not. I'm not saying they haven't been. A no, top but I'm pick saying compared to the other teams, like the Kings, like the Suns, mm-hmm. like like you talk about teams who are consistently at the top. The Hawks aren't there often, which makes you think that yeah, they know that what they're 65 doing. 65 and what, 22? Yeah. I, you got to have faith in that front office, and that that's where I'm at. I, I think the funny thing in my mind is, like, I want to be an asshole here and be like, Jonte benefited from his brother being out. No, you like, did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you like, wouldn't be getting the same amount of playing time. Doesn't get the same amount of playing time, doesn't get the same amount of looks. I think this is this, this is his time to strike. This is when he what comes if, out in this draft. What if his brother comes back and it hurts him? I don't like, think it's going to hurt him enough that to Mizzou, but we've, that Mizzou what we've team, seen out of him already. That Mizzou team catapults to a brand new level where it's like, wow. But that's and what we expect. And then everyone's eyes is on Michael Porter. But again. people already got their eyes on John Tay. Mm-hmm. Those are eyes that wouldn't have been there if Michael yeah. Porter was already catapulting him. Because mm-hmm. now John Tay is putting up the numbers that he is without his brother. Yeah. And he still looked like a, a you know player that's worth a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And it's something where... We know that Michael Porter Jr. can be a player that takes a team to the next level. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why John Tay is in the, the last, you know, 30 uh, of these picks. He's still in the 30, but there's a reason why, you know, his brother was in the t- top 10, you know, and he's John Tay's in the, mm-hmm. the bottom 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's talent there in John Tay. With Michael, there can be that superstar level. So I, I think that people have already seen enough out of John Tay without his brother mm-hmm. um, that he's not going to be, you know, uh, that, he's, that he yeah. has even the ability comes, to get in the first even round. Even if Michael comes back and his role lessens, I think he's still earned the amount of touches well, that he's getting today, and it will be more of working uh, Michael Porter Jr. into this offense and around him. And know? also, I mean, one thing, we don't know this, but 
I think Michael Porter and Jonte have a pretty decent repertoire. You'd like I to think so. they know they, each other. They, a little. they went to high school together mm-hmm. at Nathan Hale. They know each other. I think they probably lived together at some point. So you know, just if Michael we're Porter t- has involved shots in the dark. Maybe they're going to be pairing, run some pick and rolls with him and his brother. Maybe. Could be pretty decent. So I mean, like we don't know what Jonte will do. Maybe he even you know shows off when he when his brother comes off because mm-hmm. those two are able to bounce yeah. back and forth. So it's going to be something with Jonte. I've seen enough of him where I think he's a first round pick and I think that you know bringing him in could be something that I don't think it's going to change the Atlanta Hawks, but hey, Jonte Porter could be a really nice piece going along and possibly even a starter for you. So I think that's why Jonte goes at 24. Um and plus he's so young, he's still 18, he's younger than his brother. Yep. Um so it's something where he could still develop. Uh and then let's go to the Lakers now at 26 is via the Cavs. Uh I have him going Bruce Brown, Ricky has him going Landry Shamet and Dave has him going Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Ricky, why'd you go guard? Well, I went guard because there's really two ways that I could see the Lakers going with this. Thank God they were able to get that trade. Laker fans are like, great, we got a pick in the first round. Kind of like it reminds me of what the Nets did on draft day, what, uh, two years ago? When it's like, great, the Nets don't have a pick. And it's like, oh, wait, we do. We then take Karis LeVert. They can go two ways. They can either go with somebody who can come in and be the backup to Thaddeus Lonzo Young, Ball. Thad Young. Yes, they yeah, trade Thaddeus Young. Um, bugging me. I don't remember they the could <laughs> draft someone to be the backup to Lonzo Ball, because let's be honest, IT probably not staying with this team. Or I actually like the pick that Dave made, because what's the, what's the future of Brooke Lopez? Is he going to be back next year? Mm-hmm. Is he going to go somewhere else? That's the two ways I see them going, either with a center or with a guard a point guard to back up Lonzo. Well, the one thing I want to bring up with the Lakers, you still have uh, our buddy, Josh Hart, mm-hmm. um, out there. He's been pretty decent yeah, uh, for the like Lakers, him. but like he's more him. of a combo guard. He can be a one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason why he wouldn't really push out. You know, you can take a you can take a point guard. Yeah. Um, I also have Shamet going, and Shamet mm-hmm. we know, brings a ton of three-point shooting to that team um, and gr- could be great off the bench and just going to be another body that Lonzo mm-hmm. can pass to. Um, so I like the Landry fit there. Um, I went Bruce Brown just because Bruce Brown has shown the ability to be uh, a secondary ball handler. If Lonzo's out, you know, I think obviously this team's going to change because we know how much Lonzo can bring to a team yeah. with his uh, distributing uh, abilities. But Bruce Brown can at least be a guy that you know can be a, a decent defender and, and can be a really good backup point guard. And I think if you're looking for a backup point guard, Bruce Brown could be that guy. So I think that's why you, if you're looking for the Lakers, you have a guard in Josh Hart that can go through the one and two, find a first sure backup to to uh, Lonzo. Um, and that's, I think, why you go in Brown or Shamet. Well, let's be honest. Brown, Shamet, or Robinson, they're not the main ad that they're looking to add to this team. It's LeBron and PG-13. Those are the guys that they're, they're, they're really not, looking to add to this team in free agency. They're not free in cap space for Landry Shamet? I'd free cap space no, for Landry Shamet. No, what I'm saying is like we're not. they're not going crazy to try to get Brown, Shamet, or Robinson, they could really take anything here, maybe even the center part for Brooke. If they do think, hey, we're going to land a LeBron, we're going to land a PG-13, we're going to bring those big free agents home. I think they're declining Julius Randle's options to bring in <laughs> Landry Shamet. I think that's gonna, that's a move. Uh, you Dave, and Julius Randle, man. The one thing, though, with Dave, with Mitchell Robinson, is they do have uh, Zubak yeah, out there. I so like him, but he's, he's, be out. he's soft. He, he's soft. He don't he don't play defense like Dude, the rest of them boys. Oh. the soft word. He is. Did you see okay. him offensively against Minnesota Timberwolves grabbing boards, slamming him home? He's never had a problem with his offense. He's had one of the best soft touches around the rim. But what I'm saying. But again, the word is soft. But he's not soft inside. Offensively. Defensively, he is. Okay. And that's the problem. Okay, but, Enzo. <laughs> but what does Mitchell Robinson bring that's not soft? Um, Mitchell Robinson is a young, athletic big, and that is exactly what they need to pair with this team. And I think that, honestly... I just look and see the, you know, like you said, 
Brooke Lopez is done, hundred mm-hmm. percent, like gone. You don't think Zubac, he's coming back at all? Probably not. And then I, I look at uh, Thomas uh, Bryant, who they've been working at. He's a project kid who has been in the G League, and I, I I'm I kind of want to like him, but he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. So I think you go and you take a flyer on Mitchell Robinson, who again. He took that year away from um, basketball in college, and he's working on developing his game individually, which I can respect that. But at the same time, it's kind of a mystery boat. So it mm-hmm. could be for the benefit of you know a team who will take a flyer on him late, who's getting more than you know he might have gone higher had he been in this draft. Because you have to remember how highly he was rated coming into this class. He wasn't like a slouch by any yeah, means. Yeah, no, I, he was going to go to Western Kentucky, but he I think he was originally committed to Louisville. I think that's why he flipped to Western Kentucky. Or he was supposed to go to Kentucky. There was something with Mitchell Robinson, though, that he he committed to either a big-time school or he committed to Western Kentucky but always had these doubts that he wasn't going to actually go play college ball Mm -hmm. and then ended up decommitting from from Western Kentucky. There's a weird story with Mitchell Robinson um, going out there. I haven't read enough about it because I know he was committed to Western Kentucky, but he might have been committed to a a prior team or at least been in talks with a bigger school before. Um, But with Mitchell Robinson, again, he might be a guy that shoots up as well because you know I have him— going to the Bucks at 21. Ricky has him going to the Wizards at 23. This is a guy that, again, we haven't seen enough out of him because he hasn't been in the college game, but come the combine, he could really impress teams and shoot off draft boards. So that's yep. a Mitchell Robinson guy. Same with Anthony. Uh, that can really just totally change their whole yeah, direction. Yeah, as soon as you see them in the combine, I mean, that that's really going to be the truth to everybody, yeah. you know? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mitchell Robinson. Uh, final two we're talking about is the Nets. Dave, you want to talk about them? They got Hamadou Diallo, the most raw player in this uh, draft going to uh, the Nets. Why are the Nets taking Hamadou? Purely because he's a project. And I honestly want to leave him out of the first round, but I ended up being like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll horseshoe him in here because the Nets, I mean, they've been so damn injured. And this year, it's it's really hurting them an incredible amount because they don't own their own pick. And this is a team where they've got some young guys who need to develop, and they're just not going to get playing time because of all the injuries. So I look at Hamadou as a player who can develop into like a 2-3 tweener, um, he's got the body to play basketball. The question is, can you build up his raw skill set? And if there's any um, front office or uh, coaching staff that I believe in and building players and you know improving their their baseline skills, it is this Nets team. I've watched what they've done with team with players people throw away like a Spencer Dinwiddie, and watching him how this year, you know, earlier in the year there was always the the oh put him in the All Star game. Look at his mm-hmm. stat line. Look what he's doing with this team and what they can do with these players who are the leftovers, the side pieces to other teams. And, you know, I think they're developing something special in uh, Karis LeVert. But at the same time, like, I think you add a project piece because you can afford to. Because if you're picking this mm-hmm. late in the draft, I'm you're, you're probably not going to get a guy who's going to start for your team right away. So you might as well go for someone with the upside that Hamadou has. Well, Karis was also a project pick because he had his, uh, his, his injury problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Damari Carroll. Resurgence I mean, for him. Yeah, go ahead I mean, and give he, me a one and a two for Damari Carroll uh, to accept him. Yeah, and it worked. I mean, that's that's insane. It worked, and Damari Carroll's been a, a decent basketball player for yeah. them. So, I mean, um, I can't think of any other projects that they've worked on. That I mean, Jeremy successful. Lin coming back, um, obviously he got hurt early, yeah. and that was just tragic. But I, I think that this is a team that they've got so much young talent, and with Jared Allen coming along. Jared Allen's been great, too. I mean, that boy can play, just yeah. outright play, and you got to love the pro. So I don't remember I put him in my, my mock draft, but I think I remember <laughs> at some point calling him a sleeper, so I will never let you guys live that down. Uh, I just Rick, think it's the team to develop talent, you know? Ricky with Raleigh Elkins, what do you think about him? You, I, you know, I, I've liked what I've seen from um, Elkins at – um, Arizona and really the Nets to me could really go anywhere. They could go with the development 
um, project with Hamadou. They can go with BPA, which for me would be Raleigh. And then it's or they can go, hey, you know what? We have a position of need. They have both of their um, power forwards are going to be up at the end of the year, although they're not expensive ones. Yeah. So they could just say, here's money. Come on back. Like, it's no big deal. And they could go with a power forward. Like, they could go literally anywhere with this pick, and it would be okay, just as long as they take the guy that they like and they think is going to develop into something. Well, one thing, too, with uh, with, with your pick, too, you have Trayvon Duvall after mm-hmm. Elkins as well. That could be a project as well because this yeah. kid has the body to play basketball. He has some skills, way more yeah. cleaner than, uh, than Hamadou, Hamadou um, but he just can't shoot. You need to fix <laughs> a shot. Like, it's bad. Um, and you look at Damari Carroll, they fixed his shot. So, I mean, that's, a, that's another option as what well for better, Trayvon Duvall. What better team to fix your shot than the Warriors, though? Am I wrong? That's true. Am I wrong? <laughs> but would they want to take a guy that's a project? I don't you know? know. I hear the, uh, the want... players are doing a lot more coaching in uh, Golden State these days. I don't get why that's a problem. Or it's issue. not. They're oh. playing the Suns. Nobody fun. cares. I like Jesus it. Christ. I like it. I just yeah. like throwing fun at it's it. cool. Uh, I have him going uh, K to beat Bates Diop. Uh, Dave mentioned it. He's he's really improved uh, mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Um, really been the reason why the team's finally winning ball games. Um, so uh, and I think uh, Diop could be a nice guy at least in the forward position. That um, you know, obviously you have Allen at center. You pair him at least uh, either coming off the bench or as your your four for the future uh, in Diop. Especially getting rid of Trev Book, um, you you need to be able to pop a guy in there. And Diop, who is not a guy that is young. Per se, he is a guy, though, um, with experience and is a player that can step in and uh, help your team right away. Um, any final players that you guys want to mention, 21 through 30? No, not really. I, uh, Dave? I feel good that we covered everything. I'm a little disappointed that Ricky missed the opportunity to drop Landry Shamet to the Spurs and just match it all the way across. No, they're going to take shake. Shame on Taking you. Taking shake. Anyways, shame. Uh, my favorite player is still Landry Shamet. I love that boy. Uh, out of this draft. Uh, and, and, and there's something with the, with this whole draft that... It's going to be special. There's even guys that we didn't mention. Grayson Allen, not mm-hmm. even in here. Uh, yeah, you usually put him right there to the Warriors. His teammate, uh, Gary Trent Jr., not even on here mm-hmm. as well. He was a guy that was in our uh, mock fall. draft and, 1.0. And it's funny to think about. During our mock draft 1.0, everyone was like, how do you not have all five Duke players in this first round? Because they five were Duke amazing players at the beginning playing. of the no. year. And the one thing with Gary Trent is he can work his way back in there. Oh, but yeah. I, just, I think that he's going to stay for a second year at school, and I think it's something where – He's being outshined. At some points, he's looked really good. He's looked good as a spot-up shooter, but also he's getting wide-open looks from Grayson Allen and all the, all the great players around him, Marvin Bagley and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, there's a lot of space on that floor for Duval to work. Uh, and I, didn't, sorry, uh, for Trent to work. Um, and I think Duval has shown a little bit more potential as a basketball player. You just need to work on his shot, and that's the reason why uh, you got uh, Duval in over Trent. But Trent could be even a guy that people look at just because he could be uh, a shooter for your team. So um, there's a lot of players that you know didn't make it. Trent made it last time. Uh, Brandon McCoy was big for me uh, at 19. I really fallen off on him. Really haven't seen the the, the progression I've wanted in him. Uh, Andrew Jones, obviously with uh, you know uh, had medical issues with his cancer. It's terrible I mean, to hear. Yeah. Uh, Nikki L. Alexander Walker, the cousin of uh, <laughs> Shea. So we just swapped uh, mm-hmm. cousins uh, there. Um, the, the guard out of Virginia Tech, and also uh, DeAnthony Melton with his FBI investigation. Justin Jackson with his injury out of Maryland. Lonzo Trier, you took in a different Wildcat, Ricky. I did. I did. So, I I'll, I'll be honest. I almost put Justin Jackson here right at the end, but then I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm my thirty's a wild card anyway. It could have mm-hmm. been any of these guys. Just wait for the full two rounder. But that's gonna wrap it up for mock draft. For 
2.0. This has been uh, pretty much two hours uh, of NBA Could you talk. imagine the two-rounder will probably be a three-hour podcast? This was supposed to be our all-star break, and we did the longest podcast <laughs> of the year. Well, you know what? Well, everyone's taking the time off, enjoying themselves in L.A., MVP going to work. The yep. fast break we're going, going to work. And we're going to work in the shy. All right. <laughs> Bring the all-star game to shy. We'll That's do what, uh we'll do interviews. We'll play in the celebrity gee, game. It hasn't it hasn't Come been on. in the shy since it was in the Chicago Stadium, right? I've no idea. That was like eighty yeah, was the nineteen eighty eight dunk, dunk contest what? where he beat Will. Or was it eighty six? No, I thought it was eighty eight. I don't remember. Or That's 89. the one where he, yeah, the he won eighty eight. Yeah, he won eighty eight and eighty nine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was the free throw line dunk, but I don't remember yeah. which year it was. I think it was eighty eight. Anyways, uh, just bring the All Star game to Chicago. Uh, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, boys. Twenty twenty. Mm. Hey, MVP All Star game. Right, hashtag, hashtag going. bring MVP. No, 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 it's too long. Hashtag <laughs> MVP ASG twenty twenty. Okay. Get that trending. Hashtag <laughs> okay. MVP ASG 2020 on Twitter. I'll tweet it out right now. And it uh, was 1988. 1988. The Jordan. East won 138 we, to 133. 32 years later. 28 years later. <laughs> Doing math me. live. 20, someone help me. Uh, 2020. <laughs> Somebody help me. The tw- 32 years later. We, no, that's too long. No. Mm-hmm. 20, 20. How, how old am I? 25 years. No. You are really it's 30. 32. It's 30. It's 30 right now. 32. 32, 32 years yeah. later, yeah. we'll recreate this free throw line dunk. All right? Sorry, guys. Do I'm you want to know the I was right the first time. I just second guessed myself. Do you, you guys know, couldn't bail me out. Do you want to know the starting fives last time the All-Star game was in Chicago? You can't guess? Yes. Uh, Dominique. Well, yes. You're going east first? Yeah, I'll go east okay. first. Okay. Dominique. Yeah. Uh, Larry. Yes. Jordan. Yes. Oh, shit. Uh, Spud. Nope. No. Uh, East? Think, 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 Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah yep. Thomas, uh, and this last one I don't think you're going to get. Uh, wait, there's, there's, th- four more. There's one more. Wait, there's one more. There's one more starter. Uh, think about what I'm doing, Sean. I don't know what you're doing. You're... I'm holding the ball out, out of bounds. I think it was no wrong person. What are you talking about out of bounds. This one played for the Washington State Bullets. The Washington Bullets. Yes. Great name. Uh, Manu Ball. Nope. Uh, Do you want me to just tell you? No, I want to guess. Uh, We're going to make this the longest Moses, podcast ever. Moses Malone. Oh, Moses Malone. Do you know the West? <laughs> Magic? Yes. Kareem? No. Oh. Kareem was on the bench. Oh. He was a reserve. Magic? Uh, Think about the greatest center uh, from the West. Nope, he was on the bench. Oh, from the West? Greatest mm-hmm. center from the West. It's big. Fucking Kareem. Of the 90s? Player. Of the 90s, after oh. Kareem retired. Oh fuck! Uh, Patrick Ewing. No, be like, no. He won Carmelo. two championships. Well, yes, oh, oh, Hakeem. 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 He said Carmelo too. Carl. Carmelo. Stockton then? No, no. no. These two you're not going to get. Alex English. And oh, Fat, I would have gotten Alex English actually. the Nugget and, and Fat, Fat English on it. And Fat Lever. Fat Lever. Fat Lever from the Denver Nuggets. Lever. It's not Lever. It's and Lever. 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 Jesus Christ. Let us know. I'm saying going to kill us. Oh, we're almost done. Uh, Camera's probably going to go off. If you're listening on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, either James on the full Worthy podcast or the segments, team. if you're listening on Block Talk Radio, huge shout out to you. Thanks for joining us, idiots, for the past two hours. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your help. Uh, also, uh, we'll have our next mock draft soon. I think it's uh, when the NCAA tournament starts. It's going to be in March. That's it's when we'll do it. 3.0. Um, Ricky and Brandon did Trey Young versus Count Sex and check that mm-hmm. out on the PTP if you want to. Um, Big board ch- will be the 5th of March. And check out the 5th of March uh, for the Big, Boy, Big Board 2.0. 
Um, and also, check out patreon.com slash podcast if you want to help support the show uh, or all of MVP. We would appreciate all of your help. Check out mostofpodcast.com. And then also, don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes. We appreciate all your love. Also, uh, Roast Ricky. Go to the, the video. Uh, Roast make Ricky. Make him count. Uh, they have yeah. kind of weak so Ma- far. Make him count. We know he's fat. Come on, look at him. Yeah, I know, um, right? That's what I said. It's actually the 11th of March is our next match. Right? There you go. 11th of March. Uh, but anyways, uh, for Dave Oster, for Ricky Wimmer, I'm Shia Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.